1: Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Adam Ballard. I'm Jason Burr.
0: I'm a
2: sober Keith Randall.
3: <laughs> I'm Rob Oh, uh, The Baron of Bourbon is with us. He is in top form tonight, so we're pretty excited. So, Welcome to the show, guys. For having us. Glad to be here.
4: Jason, this is your first time on the show. Let's get your uh, your gaming origin story. Basically, I was a garage gamer for the longest time. I was a high school, college athlete, and then got into coaching as well. So didn't leave a whole lot of time for playing a buddy of mine named mark Rupp got me into warhammer in about fifth grade he's like why don't you try this played it liked it but like i said i just didn't have a lot of time and then well i forgot which edition we did not like and he's like after a month or two he's like let's go try kings of war uh rules are very similar the guy that wrote the rules is from games workshop so we tried it really liked it got into it at this point I prefer actually the hobby over the gaming, funny enough. Um, (laughs) Just had a son about a year and a half ago. So the only time I get gaming is to a few prep games for tournaments and tournaments now, where before it was almost all casual. Back in the day, Jeff Shokin got me into a group around here. Mark actually funny enough is doesn't play a whole lot. He only plays locally. He's one of the top song, ice and fire players, former chess master. So he plays like five million games, but yeah. So uh, basically only play elves at tournaments because they're the only army I have painted. Got to meet Travis and Adam and Omaha guys. And unfortunately became close to them. And since then, it just, the community's kind of grown to the point where I actually host the tournament in my backyard every year. We got 25 guys last year come in from Duluth, Iowa, and Omaha, and had a one day at my backyard where we smoked brisket. Are you in the Twin Cities? I am. I'm from the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I live very close to the Mall of America. I literally live kitty-corner from the Mall of America.
3: Jason, you've got a lot to say about Elves, because I know every event I've seen you at, you, you've been rocking the Elves. And you've been playing them to good effect. As one should. So we know you've got the credentials. And Adam, when you won the Masters, you weren't using Elves. Uh...
1: What's going on? You and Elves. I think all the Elf players should be thanking me right now. Clearly, I won the Masters with an army that counters Elves directly. So you're welcome. No more Night Stalkers. He's not wrong. (laughs) He is not wrong.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this man needs any introductions, but we have Keith Mandel on. What's up? (laughs) It's been a couple years. I think it was like early third edition, I think, was the last time you run. maybe?
2: It might have been early third edition, and I'd like to think that a specific display of disgust and anger with what was done to elves led to the current status of the army. I'm not going to take all the credit, but... I do. I'll
1: give you all the credit. Like (laughs) I want that to be the reason. I I think a lot of people want that to be the reason why.
2: (laughs) I was a little bit drunk, but I was very persuasive. I've been told because I've never listened to it.
1: (laughs) Are you ready to be persuasive tonight?
2: Uh, You got to be understated when things are going good. You know, you can't you can't overstate.
1: Well, see, I thought you know you're already batting a thousand. Let's see what's next on the table to improve.
3: Sure, let's do it i'm really looking forward to the elf army review i think uh, we got three really great players and i like the fact at least one of them acknowledges the hobby
1: <laughs> why is he an elf
4: player like who invited <laughs> you're not even an elf player anymore i don't know why they have you on here anymore. just because you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, at least i'm it, not coming
1: here player. and lying like i'm here for the hobby guys <laughs> so i said i
4: do hobby. i enjoy hobby more there's a difference he paints glade from what i've heard
3: i do
2: <laughs> they need paint too glade need paint too guys
3: Kingdoms of Men army review, there was a ton of questions about the hobby or about the, the background for an army that frankly doesn't have as much as some of the other armies. And then this army has 15, 16 pages of fluff spanning multiple armies. If you include the theme armies, we got like two questions.
2: Well, the reality is Kingdoms of Men are a kind of blank template. They're like that protagonist that's pretty toast that everyone can sort of see themselves as. Elves have so much.
4: Even within Mantic, I would say they, they definitely have a variety to their what they can do. I know they have Sylvan Kid and Twilight Kim, but even within their background, it's I just read it, and it's very interesting to say, the least, that you can go in multiple directions. Yeah, they've got the Ice Kindred, the Southern
3: Kindred, they, they've got nautical themes, they've got desert themes, they've got dragon themes. It is very evocative. I wonder, though, is it more than just what you would get out of Lord of the Rings? I mean, is there enough there? Many, many pages, so what are your kind of, what's your kind of take on the elves' background within Panathor?
2: I mean, the only unique thing about the elves in Panathor is they're not in decline. They're not a dying race? Right. Like, if they, they lean into that a little more, that could be interesting. Otherwise, they're Tolkien elves, they're Dragonlance elves, they're D&D elves. They're just, they're just elves.
3: Any game that has elves, it's hard to, like, get out of the shadow of Tolkien, you know, and to your point, they, they, these guys are not in the twilight of their civilization, but they have a lot of things that are very tolkien Maybe that's a good segue to our first question. Thorben Newman asks, if you could change or add something to the elf background, what would it be? Man.
2: Um, I still want to see, you know, like, one of, the, one of my favorite black library, and I know we're talking about the game that should never be mentioned, is the background of before the Cataclysm, before the things went wrong and caused the elves to have problems and we have a little of that you know some douchey elf was trying to get on some girl that didn't like him and gave her a bobble that she didn't like and he was just trying to be the nice guy and it didn't work and that's an interesting story but i kind of want to know what was going on then with the elves
3: and i think we're going to get some of that in clint warner's uh Book about the Celestians. I, I'm hoping that we're going to get some of that story before story, right? In the, in the novels that are coming up. So,
2: if they live for so long,
3: there's probably elves that are
2: alive pre the mirror being broken. What's going on with them? Like, what is their opinion of the guy that caused it? What is their opinion of the other races? Like, you have centuries of experience that you could get into someone's head and, and hear about.
3: And a lot of the fluff is, is insular in the sense that they're not talking about how they interact with the other races. Yeah. They're just talking about how they're act- interacting with each other, like the different kindreds where they live. So I think you're right. I think it'd be nice to flesh it out a little bit and give us a little bit more sense of what is their role in Panathor and how do they interact? And to your point, before the the war with Winter, before the, uh, the Fenulian Mirror gets busted, you know what was going on back then and how have things changed for the Elves. Over time.
4: The other thing I would add to that is that they don't get into the why as much of why the kindreds are what they are. It's just because they live there, or is it because what drove them there the Ice Kindred were the only ones that they kind of went into the the why for why they moved away. They're like, oh, they naturally have something with nature. Okay, well what drives them to want to do more than that and become Sylvan versus normal elves? I think
3: Ice Kindred too, correct me if I wrong, guys. That was added when they were doing Northern Alliance. I think that's so, so that's a newer kindred in the, in the background fluff. And so it may have the benefit of, they saw what came before and they maybe added a little bit more depth to to that. And maybe that's a good sign. Maybe they can go back and they can update some of the older other kindreds that, you know, kind of just like, Hey, this is where they live and this is what they ride. This is what, this is how they fight.
2: And as they flesh out Twilight kin and their own unique IP, I mean, I think the other Elven factions will get fleshed out at the same time. That'd be nice to see.
3: Well, let's talk model ranges. Nick Brooks asks, since this range is the oldest and, in my opinion, one of the worst, do you think Mantic will have a proper range refreshed for them? And if so, what could Mantic do to make them more IP friendly instead of generic elves? First question. I mean, they are the oldest range. They are the first range. I think they're from 2009, 2010 art is in the eye of the beholder right so i don't know um you know i i'm not a huge fan of their of their of the models but they, they're serviceable i mean they have many of the units i don't know what are your guys thoughts on the mantic and as he adam you're shaking your head
1: yeah let's be honest here they're one of the probably one of the worst elf model ranges out there like you said rob sure some people might like the aesthetic better than some things but I don't know anybody that could say with a straight face that the Mantic models are their favorite elf models of anything out there.
3: If you were stuck in 2009, maybe. Oh, not over the last 13, 14 years, right? I mean, even then.
1: GW's elves have always been superior in my mind. And now that we're getting into the 3D printing age, there are so many good units out there that I don't even think GW's elves are good anymore yeah yeah do they need a refresh yes do i think they will uh mantic will actually do that anytime soon probably not mantic has so many other armies that need models and that they have their own kind of corner on with the marketplace uh you know the twilight men
3: Yeah, you're answering Nick's second question, right? And if so, what could Manti do to make them more IP-friendly? I don't think they can.
1: I think they could definitely make it more IP-friendly by... It looks like they just kind of copy-paste a lot of things from the Tolkien GW elves or elves or elves. But they are expanding on the kind of outskirts of elves in these other ways. I think they could definitely uh, just implement something completely new in the elf army and i think there there's probably a question on this but i think it definitely could look like something in the form of like monsters or titans some cool model like that and when they bring that out roll out a couple of new infantry kits and dracons something like that
2: the league of infamy elves as annoying as whatever they were cast in are pretty decent the little dracons are fun dracons that kind of came from that barring the the weapon
3: i mean it's, it's pvc so yeah it's tough it's got its own its own issues but the, the sculpt itself is fine it's just maybe the materials and yeah i mean even their dracons i really like the
2: dracons i thought they did a really good job with those the the spear they have i felt i've replaced up on all the
3: models that i've made just because it's like the
2: short spear
3: problem i think with the dracon riders is that they they they, they intended to make it match the existing line because i mean it's hard I, I get like a company at some point you got to. To, to just suck it up like they did with goblins and say, oh, these, these aren't good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you guys remember the Basileans, which have all been redone at this point as well, the men at arms, they used to have the <laughs> models, man. Yeah. And it was like they just finally said, all right, done. You know, maybe this episode's a good example. Maybe they don't need new bottles because, hey, you guys aren't here for the hobby. You're here to, you're here to shoot people out of the sky.
4: Isn't Ronnie brought it up, didn't he come out with like right when the big red book came out that he said that we're not going to redo the elf line because there's so many model lines out there and 3D prints out there. So he's like, I'm going to focus on things that are more Mantic based. And I'll admit, I don't own a single Mantic elf model. I can't stand the models personally, but I do buy everything else and put those on the bases and support Mantic that way. But personally, I I can't stand the models uh, that they have. And I wish that they would redo the line, but from the sounds of it, they're not going to, but I could see if they did IP like Adam talked about and changed a few things them coming out with new
3: models that way. Joey Greek asks, why does playing elves make you a better Kings of war player? And should it be required for everyone?
1: I think maybe Joey was joking a little bit on this. Uh, I, I do see a lot of emojis that are laughing. Honestly, like, Elves, I think, do expand your uh, playing range, as it were. Elves are not durable, and they are not, they don't have the numbers. So, everything you have is very valuable in the end. And when we're playing an objective based game, you need things alive. Being able to target prioritize, and usually, elves are a combined arms type list. And understanding what needs to be shooting, what needs to be getting in combat, where that needs to happen so that you can win on the scenario. There actually is a lot involved in this. This is not an army that you just take all the bow shots and point and click. Appreciate the question, Joey. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, anybody that hasn't played elves, and especially if you struggle playing against elves, I would advise just picking it up, play a UB game or two with it, and kind of realize the nuances of the army.
3: Well, Chris Lynch just took out the UK Masters with Elves over this past weekend, right? So you did. they must be doing something right. So Dave Fanning asks, are Elves better than Sylvan Kin? I think they're better than Sylvan Kin against the field. I think
2: they're not necessarily better than Sylvan Kin in the Elf Elf match.
3: And why is that? Is Do they have more tools? Elves suffer when
2: they get outshot, and Sylvankin shoot almost exactly the same, and they get native stealthy, so it's really hard to outshoot a Sylvankin army. Do you think Sylvankin can suffer? I mean, they have greater air elemental, so that helps a little bit. But those are there's a somewhat steep learning curve on that. I do think Sylvankin can suffer when they're facing an army that can get to them because uh, they don't have as much punch as standard elves. So that's why I think standard elves against the field are better because there's Tons of options that we can talk about to keep people back while you're shooting enough to cause your opponent to move. Silenkin don't have as much deterrence. Uh, but again, they shoot so much better uh, than elves, at least in the 1v1 matchup.
1: Oh, They just don't take as much damage from the counter shooting. They each shoot pretty pretty equal to each other. But it sounds like you're th- looking through the scope of I'm only taking Glade stalkers as well so uh, <laughs> if, uh, if we're not just comparing Glade stalker to Glade Stalker, I, I actually think Sylvan can are or could can be the better army uh, in in the right hands just because uh, I think greater Air Elementals are just a, an abusive tool that uh, can win you games by themselves.
3: If you would play them, they would get nerfed, but until you play them, they're not going to get nerfed. The thing with GAE's though, is like, they're a known tool.
1: I think they're just going to get nerfed without me playing them.
2: (laughs) But everyone is showing up to handle greater elementals now. So I do think at stiff competition, greater elementals are a, a problem that you need to design your list to solve. I don't think right now, that st- I mean, maybe it might change after the UK Masters, but I don't think right now Standard Elves are a
3: problem people are trying to solve against. Australian Clash of Kings they had 62 players, no greater elementals in the whole field. Yeah, that, that was a weird tournament.
4: <laughs> I was going to say... Uh,
1: it's, it's Aussie land.
4: Sylvan can, don't, can't hide greater elementals for cover nearly as easily as Force of the Nature as well. I, mean, I think that's also a big thing that Mobility with elves and their ability to kind of dictate where you play a little bit also helps them against a lot of armies, including Sylvan kin unless Sylvan kin
1: takes a lot of Glade Stalkers. Somewhat disagree. Sylvan kin still have access to the best uh, unit to deliver greater errors, which is the uh, regiment of Shamblers. Shamblers are height three, greater errors are only height five.
3: Let's answer this question What is your motivation for, for playing elves?
4: I can, I can start with that one. I like the ability to dictate things when I play. With elves, the mobility and the shooting, whether it's punching a hole in a line to then have them have to alter that, or the ability to be more mobile than a fair number of the armies, as well as having one of the best hammers in the game at 20 inches is a big deterrent for a lot of people, whether it's slowing them down, or they have to push forward, or when you punch a hole, they have to adjust to that. The timing to me is the greatest thing in the army of why I haven't changed from elves. The timing of every game is different. As far as when you go in, because you can't just charge in and just hope to pop stuff. They have to pop things, because like Adam said, if you get hit back, it's going to hurt bad real quick.
1: I don't play elves much anymore. I I did pull them back out uh, for a one day here recently. But uh, when I played elves, the, the thing competitively why I like them is because if you're playing elves the right way in the right matchups... Your opponents just don't get a chance to roll dice against you, and the best way to win games is to not let your opponent roll dice. If you shoot them, they die. If you hit them first in combat and they die, they just can't you know, counter that. They can't hit back. So elves have that going for them, and that's really the, the key thing that I think all of us here do in one way or another with the... Armies and lists that we build with elves.
2: Just as a somewhat facetious comment, I play elves so I don't have to learn how corkscrews work. (laughs) And I don't have to care about the new change to the charges because if everything flies and you
0: only charge once,
2: you don't have to deal with any of that crap.
0: This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War.
3: Well, let's get into uh, the army it- itself. The special rule is the saber-tooth hunting cat, which gives uh, the unit that takes it duelist. What units can even take this thing? Princes, kings. I think that's it.
4: Just those two. Just two.
3: We should mention elves obviously are an alignment that is good. But Keith Conroy asks, what would be a good replacement army-wide special rule for elves? I think he meant elite, but I think it's a better question in reference to the upgrade because he was being a jerk
2: referring to elite.
3: Yeah, I don't acknowledge jerkness. <laughs> the saber honey honeycat, I mean, it's—it it has, it has a use. The old cat was not broken. When
2: you could put the cat that you could throw on a prince, you could throw it once, and for every wound, it kept scratching people. It made the still expensive, but reasonably priced heroes have an interesting attack. The new cat with Duelist There's better solutions to individuals for elves than a king or a prince.
3: How many
4: individuals are you guys seeing?
3: But they're probably not going to be
2: hunting individuals.
4: Put it on the king, it's only 10 attacks on threes with a crush one.
2: Right. And if you mount a king and you give him the sword of two up, he's already 150 points. So sure, you could give him duelist for another 10 points. But that's 160 points of, like you said, hitting on two. So you're hitting 10 times, but like... Any serious character that's going to be causing you problems will
3: take that hit and wander away. Let's get into the unit by unit breakdown. We're going to start with the infantry. We'll start with kindred tall spears. So they're infantry, speed six, melee four, defense four, troop regiment and horde, 12, 15, 30 attacks, 10, 12, 14, 16, 21, 23 nerve, and 90, 140, 230. And they have elite melee and Phalanx. Do you guys ever use Kindred Tall Spears now that Gladestalker's unlocked? Forget Stalkers. Seaguard, for an extra 10 points, you get to shoot. Nicholas Esposito asks, Therian Seaguard or Kindred Tall Spears, when should you take one or the other and why? You should never take
2: Tall Spears because <laughs> you can save 10 points, 20 points, or 30 points just to take Warriors if you just need someone to sit there. And if you want to spend a little bit more, just take guard.
1: 10 points more for a regiment, 30 points more for a horde, just a lot more value out of the unit. You're losing five attacks is the only thing, but the ranged attacks just make up for it over the course of the game. So,
3: If your tall spears are staying in there, they're not going to be attacking for a couple turns. With ranged attacks, you're involved in six turns of the game, if you want to be,
2: and if you survive.
4: When everyone goes into the trap of the hammer of measure four since it's fours with the leap, but it's still fours, it's still super swingy both ways for hitting and wounding. So
1: I agree with these two. You take Seaguard over Tall Spears all day.
3: If you were to take Tall Spears, what would you take them as a regiment or a horde?
1: It depends on what I need. If I need just an unlock, a regiment's fine, but kind of like what Keith said, there are cheaper other options and regiments with phalanx i i do like i think they have a place but i would definitely pay the 10 points more in a regiment size to get 12 shooting attacks for the rest of the game
4: who wants to take us through shield watch their infantry speed six melee four defense five no range troop and regiment options only one unit strength and three unit strength for troop and regiment 10 attacks 12 attacks for the regiment nerve 10 12 and 14 16 100 points for the troop one fifty-five for the regiment. crushing strength one and elite and melee.
3: Philip Cox asks, "Why not allow Shield Watch to be taking a horse? Is there is is it broken? Don't think it's broken, but it does seem non-elfy. Well, defense five is non-elfy.
2: Well, on top of that, like elves, the way they play and well, in the lore too is they don't sit there and wait for someone to hit them, and that's Shield Watch's role. So you want to double the size? Like I can't." Think of the motivation for someone who's going to live nine hundred years to put a shield wall together and just say, "Come kill me."
1: It makes much more sense for a, a phalanx, whether sure. it was the spears or the sea guard, like that. They also, you know, fill that role of sit here, come hit me. Just a much more elfy way of doing it. Right, I would agree. So.
2: Eight feet between us with a pointy stick on the end.
4: Right. <laughs> I ran them at the beginning of the third edition, just to try them, because I like the idea of defense five elves. But that fourteen sixteen nerve is way too easy to waiver. Even if it bumped up one one point, I would potentially think about it. But the fourteen sixteen is just way too low. They get wavered. They have you'd have to take waiver mitigation, which makes them even more expensive. They're not hitting back for anything on a four plus. That's probably why you don't see them a whole lot. Honestly, I've heard a lot of people complain about the the nerve.
2: And they're not even kindred, so you can't even get them fury with the champion.
1: What I would like to see them do with Shield Watch is just drop this crushing, allow them to hit on threes, and just make it a swap out for Palace Guard. So don't even have a different profile. Just have Palace Guard that you can have uh, no crushing with Defense 5, or you can take Palace Guard the way they are uh, with Defense 4, or Crush 1.
2: And they'd be f- 15 17 2.
1: Exactly right at that point, they're basically hunters of the wild,
4: though. You'd have to drop hunters of the wild out. I wouldn't lose any
2: sleep
3: over that,
4: I wouldn't either. But
3: uh. <laughs> well, it sounds like we answered Chase's question about what's needed to make shield watch viable. Thorben does ask, Do shield watch and kindred warriors feel like elf units?
1: Kindred warriors, yes, they seem more like the less trained elf units which just kind of makes sense to me.
3: The palace Guard are the, the, the elves from the beginning of the Lord of the Rings when they're in that big battle line and they're swinging their swords. And I guess these are the guys in the back there waiting for the front line to get collapsed in on, maybe? It's like craftsmen,
2: you know? like If you're a half millennia old, you've spent your 120 years in the military and you went back home to make some pottery. But if there's only so many elves, so if there's a problem, you'll strap your sword back on and give it your best.
1: Yeah, these are the militia mob of elves. They're just actually, you know, good uh, as far as a stat line goes. They're not peasants that are hitting on fives or sixes and stuff. They're not defense three. They're just average elves, which are better than everybody else still.
3: Elves are the best race, right? Isn't (laughs) that that what
1: they say? That's why we're here.
3: Who wants to go through forest guard?
1: Infantry, speed six, melee three plus, defense four
4: up, comes in troops and regiments, four elves, unit strength one and unit strength three. 10 attacks and 12 attacks, 11-13 Nerve and 15-17 Nerve, 105 for the Troop, 165 for the Regiment, Elite and Melee, Pathfinder, and Thunder 1. I love these guys. I take a troop of them in every, almost every army for chaff. Put them in front of my Horde, and they're a defense for 11-13. You actually have to put a little bit more into them. With terrain mitigation, you can put them in trees and make it even harder for them to, to take them out. But Thunder 1, Elite on threes... With 10 attacks, I can't tell you how many times I've come in and done six or seven wounds and either wavered a unit, held up a unit for a good amount of time because they're a smaller base and a smaller height. But yeah, I love Troops of Forest Guard. Never the regiment. They
3: don't shoot. And then we're going to see a theme with Keith if they don't, they don't at least have the option to shoot.
4: I hear a
1: statement.
2: Yes. They're like objectively better than average unit. I mean, I agree with the troop statement, but they don't fit in how I play the army so sure
1: well you're shooting and backing up right
2: hey i back up sometimes
3: <laughs>
2: it's strategic thinking
1: they do fill the role that jason needs with the army which is when you have a horde footprint especially a defense four horde you got to have something to prevent those double and triple charges against it which this troop does do effectively for one of the cheaper options that elves have available to them
3: who wants to take a super house guard You know what's funny is in beginning of third edition, you guys were all taking these guys. Because it was the only thing to take.
1: Other things unlock. I still do, so. Yeah, you're just behind the times, Jason. That's fine. I'm still doing okay. That's all that matters. Palace guard here. Speed six. Melee three. Defense four. They come in troops, regiments, and hordes. 12-25 attack. Nerves are 11-13, 15-17, 22-24, and points are... 105, 160, 265. They do have crushing one and elite melee.
3: 265 seems pricey. I mean, I know it's 25 attacks, hitting on threes with elite and crushing one.
1: Definitely one of the most punchy hordes in the game. If not the most punchy horde, just flat stats. I think there's other, what is it? Kingdom Men have a foot guard that you can do crush one defense four hitting on threes with but they don't have a lead built in
3: they're not 265 points they two thirty 235 250 somewhere in there and when you have three up an elite
2: you can do some wild stuff. what concerns me about them currently or I guess more pre3.5 is there's just so much shooting out there and they are a lot of points that with two rounds of concentrated shooting will be in trouble. And I always felt like if I was taking palace guard, which I did, I needed a mage with Banechant just to make sure that whatever they charged died. And it did. It just seemed like it was a lot of effort to get them where they needed to be. They're a pretty great anvil. They're just really, really pricey.
1: And they don't shoot, right?
2: And they don't shoot. And the other thing, which we'll talk about later is when you're buying a horde, you're paying for three unlocks and elves can't use one of them. And for the Artillery Unlock, you only have, arguably, mediocre options. I know we might disagree on that
3: nowadays. Yeah, so so the value of ha- taking a horde is less in this army because of the options.
4: part I like about Palace Guard is that it gives you a unit of strength 4 option to, like, set your line at which is what I do like about them. They are a glass hammer. If you allow them to get double charged, they will waver or pop real quickly. That's why you have to have chaff to deliver them to where you are. If you have a hill in the middle of a battlefield, they're going behind it every time because I'll, I'll put the forest guard up on the hill or right behind it, charge them in and then move them that way. But yeah, I I can see both sides where they do die really easily to shooting. So any artillery that ignores cover for the most part is going to tear them up i
2: see a lot of ball pop launchers down here and they'll just look at palace guard and say i kill those in two
3: turns yeah defense four you don't need a lot of piercing
1: see and i found that i was uh struggling when i took a horde of these guys because they just got cornered and ran down when most other things in in the list that that i tend to take are faster or more maneuverable and the only thing that a say a normal cavalry unit can just run at and know that it's not gonna not gonna get out of the way and they'll have to you know turn around palace guard are pretty immobile so that's where i struggled with them and uh they just wavered or broke one too many times before they could get an effective combat off because I, I would chaff for them, but they typically require a little bit more babysitting than what I wanted. So I've actually evolved into a horde of Seaguard versus a horde of Palace Guard because I find the Phalanx really helps against the units that were typically trying to run down my Palace Guard.
4: I like the more the combined arms list versus having too much shooting, which I know at a higher competitive level is much different. I know I had this talk with Eric Trowbridge, and I was like, he's like, you should take Horde of Archers or a Horde of Seaguard. I'm like, no, that's too much shooting. That's way too much dice to roll for trying to make sure that I'm staying on clock. Um, These guys, like I said, are my line to, if you come into the middle, if we're playing Dominate or a different uh, scenario where you have to get to the middle token, which there's almost always a middle token other than a few scenarios, they're going to go straight for that. And we're going to get into a little brawl, which I then... You're going to might come into me, but then at that point, I'm going to have Dracons and other things coming around the flanks to hit you.
2: Yeah, I do think they need like the Fury. I I like them with the Fury icon a lot. Stainstone. Stainstones get you almost all the way there, or halfway there at least. Elven Army for me is about seizing the initiative. It's funny that we're sitting here talking about an army and Speed Six is slow. Uh, We're the only army that can have that conversation, but it's slow. And Ogres can charge you without you having the initiative. A lot of armies, and and recently ogres were like world beaters. They just need a lot of help. And there's other units in the army that can operate independently. And now they don't have units four. They have lower nerve, but they're controlling the initiative and controlling the board that palace guard don't have. And I, I agree with Adam. Like you're paying five points less for shots, and you're you have that unit strength four, and you can put out a thirty inch bubble of fairly effective shooting and just participate in every game, every phase of the game, every turn of the game. It, it's been hard for me to justify Palace Guard lately.
3: I don't play elves, but I just look at this and go, I'll spend 10 more points and get Drakons. You, you bring up a good point, you know, about speed six. People go, oh, speed six, that's great. Yeah, it's it's good for infantry, but there's so much in the game that's going to reach out. because I mean, this game is about speed. It's about maneuverability. That's how you win the game. You mentioned Ogres, the Ratkin. There's a bunch of armies that have a speed six. This is, a, this is not a super fast infantry unit.
4: In an army, though, that is very elite naturally because of how expensive it is, having the amount of attacks that they do have, having 25 attacks against trash lists, things like that, comes in big because they're the only thing up there with that amount of attacks that people typically take and can deal with those those big hordes, unless you're getting flanks or double charges.
2: Definitely agree. They're a blender against four defense and down, and especially when you're dealing with trash lists. But defense four and down is also where shooting and Dracons just excel. So the lack of maneuverability and the lack of playing or interacting with the enemy all six turns. I'm not saying they're a bad unit. I'm not saying you should ever take them. I'm just saying I think right now they're not an optimal option.
1: They have a lot of options. There's a lot. Of- There's a lot of options. <laughs> as much as we're saying, you know, if Palace Guard had this, if they had that. Like, I think they're perfect the way they are. Agreed. I don't think they need to be buffed. I don't think they need to be nerfed. I think they're a perfectly average unit. Anybody playing Palace Guard, you're not doing it wrong necessarily palace guard i think we've all identified it puts you in a box as far as the play style you'll have to commit to when you invest that many points in that type of a
2: unit i will say that the mantic palace guard minis for has
3: how old they are are pretty decent they're pretty good yeah i, I think it was Kev white or something from hassle free that that did the miniatures back then i mean because you're talking those are old the second edition kickstarter so 10 years no Eight years, something like that. (laughs) They're old. But I have a horde. They're not expensive. I got a horde too. Who wants to take us to Kindred Warriors?
2: Kindred Warriors, Speed 6, Melee 4, Troop, Regiment, Horde, 80 points, 120 points, 200 points, uh, 10 attacks for the troop, 10-12 Nerve, 12 attacks for the regiment, 14-16 Nerve, 25 attacks for the Horde, 21-23. And, you know, these guys are, they are Kindred. But for, what, for the limited thing that that matters, but their their budget, their budget palace guard.
3: Would you guys take these guys? If you want the Hitty Blender guys, you take the palace guard or you take the more versatile Seaguard. I don't just I mean, it, I guess you said it, Keith. If you don't have the points, I guess this is where these guys come in. I
2: mean, I took a regiment of these guys to Masters last year and it was it, it's partly because I had like the lowest unit strength in one of the lowest unit strengths in the field. Cause I had all these individuals and I just needed the freaking unlocks and I couldn't afford 30 points for Seaguard and I still hate archers. So they were fine. They were fine.
4: You just don't expect a whole lot out of them when you do take them. As long as you don't expect anything, they're perfect.
2: Yeah. They'll sit on a token. They'll take a loot token. If you want to march someone up 12 inches and grab a loot token first, first turn and be like, Hey, if you kill these guys, I'm going to hit you with like two Drake on hordes and wreck your
3: day, or you can ignore me and I'll just hold on to, and that's fine. 120 points. And I'm assuming you guys are always taking this, if you do take it, as a regiment? Yeah.
1: I've never taken them. I don't think you ever take them as a horde, because like he said, you don't need the horde for the unlock purposes. The regiment is the unlocked.
4: And for troops, there's way more options. I mean, I would almost
2: consider taking a troop, because it's one of the cheapest things in the army, and cats are 80 points, and when we get down there, like yep. these aren't that much worse
4: than cats. But then, why not take the next option for ten points more? I mean, maybe you don't
2: have the ten points. I mean, sometimes you don't. I mean, no, sometimes you don't true. have the ten points.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's eighty points now is a bolt thrower. So true. If you don't need the unit strength,
2: but for me, like it's not a scoring unit. And like I said, like I had ten scoring. I know, and I had
3: nine scoring
2: units in masters. <laughs> so it's
3: like I I need a scoring unit. <laughs> we got heavy infantry next we got hunters of the wild which are irregular uh speed five melee three and defense five i think that's not terrible uh troop and regiment 12 and 15 10 12 14 60 nerve and 90 and 140 pathfinder and scout i could see ma- maybe some chaff with these guys and in fact we got a question about uh from mecha surgeon who asks what's the better chaff hunters of the wild troops silver Breeze troops or battle cats
2: i take no chaff in the current edition <laughs> If to, a- to actually answer the question, the only list i put together with Hunters of the Wild Troops was a list with four dragons because it was hysterical. You scout Hunter of the Wild Troops up and you put four dragons on the 10-inch line, turn one, and just say, <laughs> deal with it. Otherwise, I think if you have the points, Silver Breeze are best. Uh, I know Adam likes Battle Cats.
4: All right, and I prefer Forest Guard for infantry stuff. I do use Silver Breeze Troops for things that are faster, though. So like that's where I was saying. Depends on what they're transporting. That's all it is for me.
1: Um, I don't care for these guys when it comes to chaff, just because Like if I'm looking for a scouting chaff piece, I'm going to do the Shambler Regiment. Uh, they're fearless. They have a higher nerve. They're
2: faster. Yeah,
1: you get quite a bit out of the 30 points uh, difference. Otherwise, for that price point, I think Battle Cats or the even the Troop of, uh, the Warriors uh, probably fit better. They want to fill that like kind of thick chaff role, the Hunters of the Wild, but their 10-12 defense 5 just doesn't quite cut it. Yeah, it it's just going to get wavered, block up your lines. I, I just don't think that it, uh, it quite makes the cut for chaff.
4: That means speed 5 as well, even though they do scout when it comes to charging other... Armies does get an We just said Speed 6 is slow.
1: and Nowadays, Speed 5 is even slower.
2: 100%. They could take us, this entry out of the army, and I wouldn't lose
3: any sleep.
1: If it was regular, then Hunters of the Wild regiments are actually a serious talk. 100%. Yes. For unlocks.
3: Mm-hmm. Let's get to what everybody's been waiting for. You guys talk about Bowfire, ranged infantry. Who wants to take us to Kindred Archers? I'm happy to do this. And I will answer the question, because <laughs> I have an answer. Kindred Archers,
2: Speed 6, melee... F- 5, range 4, defense 3, troop 1 unit strength, 8 attacks, 10, 12, 105 points, regiment, unit strength 2, 10 attacks, 14, 16, 140 points, horde, unit strength 3, 20 attacks, 21, 23, 245 points, bows, 24-inch elite ranged. If you have played this game for a while and compare this to what archers used to be, this unit is still... Garbage. It's too expensive. Defense 3 melts. It doesn't have any way to mitigate that with Pathfinder or something like that. It doesn't have steady aim. It's a waste of your time. And if it were what it used to be pointed at with these stat lines, or even like 125 for a regiment, 130 for a regiment, we can have a conversation. But the way that these are pointed is still a joke.
1: So I want to jump in here. Uh, So, Keith, I did start off by saying you were batting a 1,000, but I did forget about this. You did just swing and miss on this one. (laughs) Archers did not need to be ranged for up. Please, God, just put them back to the way they were. I took two regiments of them.
2: They're better the way they were than they are now. I 100% agree with that.
1: Absolutely were. And I blame you 100% for what they are now. (laughs) I love taking these guys as the cheap, quote-unquote cheap, unlocks for... 120 points as a regiment because defense four 14 16 even if their bow shots were dog is still better than what this is because if i want defense three hitting on fours i would take glade stalkers because yep. that's what their profile is so they just literally copied half the glade stalker profile over to the archers and they're like this is what the people want so let's give it to them and then they make glade stalkers better at the same time and it's like completely irrelevant to archers
2: well and think of a 120 point warriors unit like you would take that archer unit every day you would take that archer unit you'd lose a unit of strength you lose two attacks but you sit there and just annoy people until they have to manage you and they can't manage you with a character they can't manage you with chaff they isn't to too much this has no point
1: the way they are now Sea guard are ten points more in a regiment, and they have a thousand rules, and they have more attacks, more unit strength. They hit on fives at range instead of fours. Oh no! But guess what? They have steady aim. Steady aim—that's the big one. I'm usually moving every turn anyway, so they hit the exact same. The archers are completely irrelevant in this army. You never take them, even in the horde. 140 or 245. A sea guard horde is 260 find 15 points, and actually be happy with your choice.
3: All right, I got a question for you guys. If you had the Bowman from Kingdoms of Men in lieu of the Kindred Archers... I would take them every day. Every day and twice on Sunday.
1: L would be so broken if you gave us regiments of the...
2: Because, like, instead of taking a 265-point palace card unit with an item which gets you close to 300, you take three regiments of Bowman, and you stick them in the middle of the, of the board. You have three scoring units. They're each unit's rent two. Even to make them 13, 16... And that's just 30 shots that are putting out four or five wounds a turn and you can't kill them all at once.
4: When you can separate your, your fire at some point, not that you're going right. to most of the time, but you can separate it. That's the big thing. Like like the Kings of Men can also take crossbows and handguns that can, piercing two, my mark takes them all the time against me and it drives me nuts because, oh, pierce two, anything I do hit on fives, it gets through. These guys on fours, Yeah, it's fours, but then you go to fives or sixes sometimes. It's like, well, what am I shooting at unless it's trash?
2: And I'm going to defend myself a little bit. I was raging about the kindred archers, but it wasn't just the kindred archers. They made the kindred archers worse, and then they took away every single item in the game that could help you shoot. Like, the only reason the kindred archers everybody took... A horde of kindred archers with piercing. Everybody took it then. And ban chant. And and they had a ban chant even though you needed two successes because you're elite. And that was the reason to take them because they were a credible threat in shooting. This unit is not is barely a credible threat to chaff. That's defense three, even at a
3: horde. It's garbage. Well, it's overcosted. Is what you're saying. It's a hundred percent overcosted.
4: Like Adam said, why do you just if you're going to take defense three, just take light stalkers. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You're going to put them in trees either way. At least take the thing with Pathfinder and Steady Aim.
3: Steady Aim. And, and like Steady Yeah, I'm 100%. A steady Aim's huge. Huge. Who wants to take us through the complete Stalkers?
4: Infantry, Speed 6, Melee 3+, plus, Range 4+, plus, Defense 3+, plus, troop and Regiment options, Unit Strength 1 and 3, Attacks 10 and 12, Nerve 10-12 for the Troop, 14-16 for the Regiment. 140 for the troop 185 for the regiment elite both in melee and range pathfinder scout bows at 24 inch range and steady aim i've been running these guys since they made them regular agree i love them. 100 agree i run them a little bit farther the way away than some people do like some people want to scout them up all the way probably scout them a half an inch backwards <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on terrain. I might even put them at, like, the 30-inch line from the other the other army. But the scout comes in big. The pathfinder comes in big. The, everyone's, like, their defense don't care. They're going to be in cover somewhere. And it's good. Even, I mean, they've stood up against a Lord on Frostfang and Mandild and a regiment of Mounted Suns m- multiple times because of the hinder. Me and Adam get into it all the time about Glade stalkers versus Silver Breeze, and I know both are good, just depends on your play style. I've always loved the idea of scouting or like snipers basically in trees. and I've liked their their stat line. I just when they were regular, didn't make sense to take them. and when you had the horde of archers didn't make sense in second edition.
2: So I agree. I've been taking these since they became regular when they were melee four. Eight attacks, 10 attacks, and 10 points cheaper for both. I think that they're probably in a better place now than they were a half edition ago because that was broke.
4: Don't forget the reunion strength either. Yeah,
2: the union strength is huge. I think they're in a happy place right now. I do think, and Adam, you may disagree, I think last version they were a half step ahead of Silver breeze. and now I think it's a reasonable discussion, but they are a credible unlock. They're not going to survive to counter shooting, but say V. They do a reasonable amount of wounds only when they're shooting. They are great in combat. I think they're a good, solid basis of the army. And I'm not saying they are what archers should be, but archers need to get closer to Gladestalkers to have people shut up about Gladestalker spam.
4: Keith, what's your magic point for how many you have? Even
2: back when they first came up, I've I've done two. Because I think you need something to pick stuff up. And once I've stopped taping palace Guard hordes, I feel like the moment you... T- start taking three or four you have nothing to go out and grab loot tokens so you get a little too heavy but two is a good balance i would agree with that
4: plus against a lot of high defense the dice can go one way or the other where if you have other things that actually have some punch as well all right adam counterpoint
1: there's one thing i definitely disagree with what you said keith and that's they do not need to be closer to archers archers and glade stalkers need to be so far apart so that there's a purpose to take Fair. either or both in the list. Right now, Glade Stalkers are superior in every way, minus the price, but what you lose when you drop the price to archers is just nowhere near worth it. I will say that I stopped playing Elves when the Glade Stalker change went into effect. I was like, I'm out of here for this. I don't want to play with that. <laughs> you can vouch that they're good, though. Yeah, and that's why I stepped away from I'm Like, Elves are already good. Why did you give them the most broken shooting unit in the game? Wait, wait, wait. is Adam trying to
3: say he stepped away from the army because it got good?
1: Yeah, it got too good. I was playing Night Stalkers way okay. before they were good. Okay. okay. All right. I did add in the good units once they, you know, changed it, but that's a different different. So, it wasn't as clear that those units were as good as these Glade Stalkers are going to. But I think Glade Stalkers are fine. They're just not what I want to play when I play Elves. Um, as far as the, I, I liked the idea of archers. I like the idea of just a rank and file shooting, you know, elf unit that's not not meant to be like mobile it's just there to stand in the line provide the cover fire while all these other uh, aspects are flying around the battlefield and i look at glade stalkers not as that so i feel like glade stalkers almost need now hot take here i think glade stalkers actually need a different role and i'd like to actually see them get nimble so that they can be a much more mobile shooting platform while keeping their low defense. Would you take only steady aim? Their pathfinder. No, I would keep steady aim on them, but I think that they would have to probably not be melee three, maybe melee four at that point. Yeah. And then that way, I would like to see kindred archers go back to the the defense four version. It just makes sense in my mind that they would be defense four versus the defense three glade stalkers. That are built to be much more lightly armored and more mobile.
4: I could see them if you did if you did nimble taking away scout because scout to me is such a big thing to get them where they need to because even and I know we're talking about those, but like Twilight can didn't have steady aim. The steady aim comes into play late in games for most people, like getting them into positions to like like he said get them on objectives, get them on with that new unit strength three. That unit strength three was a big change for them because yeah you can move them late and get them into places where you need and then as well as if things are trying to get behind your lines that's when the steady aim comes into play versus and going from fours to fives can be a big jump uh depending on the dice that's
2: an interesting
1: thought with the thought that i had though they either need melee four or drop their attacks down to 10 for the regiment instead of 12 um if you want to keep the price point similar want to keep the stat line you have and add it in then they're probably more like a 200 point unit
4: they're at right now i think is perfect points to what they're due when they were 175 i think is what they were pre the big red book they were way under costed like you upgraded them without any points and they were pretty good before that
2: as much as people complained about clay stalkers the funny thing was i don't think anyone ever complained about straight elven clay stalkers people complained about twilight king clay stalkers and I have a whole Twilight can needed to be thrown in the trash can rant, which we may or may not get to. But even the Sylvan stalkers, I think people complain about them more than Elven stalkers because everyone went to those armies and spammed Glade stalkers because of the support units around them. I don't think they served a broken role in straight-up elves, but I do agree that they are appropriately pointed now.
4: Well, Sylvan Kin, you can spam a little easier because of the stealth. You don't have to have them in cover. Right. Elves, you have to have in cover. Otherwise, they will die to any type of shooting whatsoever.
1: The other thing is, with Sylvan Kin, Stalkers are the only unlock in that list, in my opinion. Outside of Hunters of the Wild are regular for them. So I could definitely see a couple of those. Yeah, but Hordes of Shamblers, I, they're they're garbage. So... Yeah, so glade stalkers were the best unlock option for the army.
2: And then I'm gonna do it anyway. The fact that Twilight Kid got all these like epic rules for the glade stalkers, no, oh no, they lost steady aim, but they could just get stealthy. And it wasn't a tax; you were getting stealthy and paying for a character. That if you didn't take that character, what are you doing? It was stupid, and that's why people hated glade stalkers, is because Twilight Kin were designed to break glade stalkers.
3: Thinking back to Kinderdarchers, you know, really, Keith, this is your fault because you came on the show and you said, hey, these are elves. You're supposed to be the best shooters in the game. And they took it a different direction. They gave you the better shooting, but then they charged you for it. And really, I think what you guys wanted was, hey, we actually just want volume of the shots that's cheaper.
2: Jason agreed with me before they gave them 12 attacks.
3: They were
4: good. They were fine.
1: The regiment at 10 was good. The kindred archers need to have a melee infantry profile where they start 10 attacks in the the troop or glade stalker profile, whatever. 10 attacks at the troop, 12 at the regiment, and then 25 at the horde. Just copy-paste the rest of their profile before the change. So they can still hit on fives at range with elite But just the fact that they have a few more attacks makes them the better archers. When you Keith did the direct comparison to the Goblin Spitters, the uh, Kingdom and Bowmen, it's like, ooh, I have Elite, so I hit maybe one more time a turn. Otherwise, I shoot the exact same as everything else in this laundry list.
4: The steady aim is what makes these guys so much better than a normal elf. And the like same thing that we're going to get into with uh, Adam's favorite unit now, Seaguard, like steady aim, even at fives with elite is really good. Like if they would have just given the archers steady aim at fives, even if they gave him like a five point bump or 10 point bump, whatever, it's like, okay, steady aim is great. We'll hit on fives. That's fine. Cause it's militia
1: archers of the elves. These should be the the kindred warriors of ranged elf, or elf shooting. They should still be better than the average of every other race, but they're still cheap.
3: We beat Mode's question about kindred archers to death. <laughs> so let's uh, we'll keep moving on. Let's get to the guard. Who wants to take us through Seaguard?
1: Seaguard uh, have just a regiment and a horde option. They're speed six, melee four, ranged five, defense four. Unit strength 3 for the regiment, 12 attacks, 14, 16, 150 points. Unit strength 4 for the horde, 25 attacks, 21, 23, 260. They are elite melee only. They have phalanx, and then they have steady aim with their 24-inch bows. Great unit for the price. And that's really what it comes down to, I think, with elves and in a lot of armies, is just trying to find that efficiency and identifying how much you want to spend like on your unlock units and where that points efficiency hits the right bell curve. And these guys I, I think just nail the spot. They've been overcosted for so long and just not even considered. They've gotten points dropped and I think profile changes for probably the last. Of addition and a half at least, and I think they're finally in the right spot. Where I played with a horde of them and at a, a one day, and just absolutely loved them. The unit strength four is great. The twenty five attacks and contributing with shooting uh, every turn with steady aim is so effective and then phalanx defense four they just don't go anywhere against the the units that typically make it across the board you know those defense five heavy cavalry type units i'm completely sold on them in fact i'm Went from just having one whore to now subbing out glade stalker that I took only for unlock purposes. <laughs> I have a regiment of sea guard now instead. They
4: do suffer from the same thing that palace guard with against shooting mop up launchers still eat them up claw shots things like that. But I do agree with Adam efficiency wise. They have six turns of doing something you want in an elf army. And
2: second, and maybe the first, the first change the third sea guard didn't do anything because like you needed to give them a huge item. You needed to give them n- nimble or something in second edition. So they could, they had steady aim and archers were better. And then early and third glade stalkers were better. So you have these three shooting ish units and you massage them. And then one becomes really good or two are decent. And the third one is sort of vestigial. And why would anyone take it? So I can see how it's tough from a game design function, but there's definitely a place for sea Guard. I think 150, 150 points for a regiment is a great unlock. Defense 4 means they can potentially wander out of terrain and go grab something if they need to, and they're still engaging. At this point, 260 points for a horde probably makes them a better, more efficient choice than Palace Guard if you want to go with a horde. It's tough to sort of move these three units around so they're all good. I think they've gotten to a point, you know, they pushed on the waterbed to where two of them are good. And you can make an argument for Seaguard versus Glade Stalkers. I mean, there's a 35 point penalty for taking Clade Stalkers and they're better, but Seaguard play a different role. So they're also valuable at 150 points. It'd be great if they could find a place to put archers. And I think Adam's probably right. You make them less good but I do think there's a place for Seaguard for sure.
4: In most other armies, middle things that don't do one thing or the other are bad. Chariots. Like usually that's that's why I think a lot of people with Seaguard are so cautious about them because it's like, well, they don't do one thing well, but that's why they're good because price point wise, they're actually closer to palace guard. Like you said, Adam, after you said that, I was like, oh snap, I probably should look at these guys a little bit more, but it's also one of those things that, they're not that bad. It's fives with 25 shots. You're going to spike at some point. They have the
2: same expected value as Glazedoggers, more or less. And you get extra unit strength, you get the failings, you can fight in combat decently. They got a lot of nerf.
1: Biggest thing is that the failings plus the a lot of nerf. Yeah. I think you guys definitely hit it spot on where this unit, you know, fits in both worlds when it comes to the melee and the range phase. And they contribute well enough in both that the the price is right. I thoroughly enjoy those types of units and we'll get to Silverbreeze Cav here in a bit, but those are those were kind of the the first unit that I had gravitated towards in the Elf army because they provide, you know, that shooting support in an army that desperately needs to control the range phase, but they also that shooting unit needs to project a threat in melee as well. Doesn't that what Glade Stalker
4: do?
2: Yeah, but they're, they're super glass hammers. They don't. They can. They get that one charge and then they get their face kicked in.
1: Exactly. True. And Glade Stalkers, if they don't kill something that's faster than them with their shooting, they're just getting charged. Especially if it, if that unit has Pathfinder.
4: Yeah, terrain mitigation is big.
1: The trees aren't going to save you. The Guard's built-in Phalanx, most units that are faster than you are going to be affected by that Phalanx. And even if they're not, the Defense 4 and, you know, in the Horde, a 21-23 Nerve, they can withstand a, a single charge from most anything with that. Double charges that aren't affected by Phalanx, definitely more dicey, but then I would question, why are you letting this get double-charged Five <laughs> things that shouldn't be charging it.
2: Hopefully, because you have like two dracons and a you know dragon lined up to charge back, but otherwise,
1: don't let the sea guard die. Just you know, set that charge up with Earlier, something else. Yeah. <laughs> right. Battle cats are there for That's a reason. True. So
3: <laughs> let's jump into large infantry, and let's start with this question because I think this is this is an interesting question. Dave Fanning asks: Does the army need forest shamblers and tree herders, and do they fit the army style?
4: I used to run four shamblers in second edition. I think Adam said the regiment is perfectly fine. And they unlocked (laughs) the regiment was great. Um, once they went where they didn't unlock, it's like, well, uh, we're going to go with something else. And there's plenty of other options now with Forest Guard, with the Silver Beast Troop being as cheap as it is. Once they brought out Sylvankin, if you want to run trees, go, run, go play Sylvankin. They do it better. They just do it better, yeah, with the Phalanx. They actually
1: unlock in Sylvankin, whereas ours do not unlock. Well,
2: regiments don't unlock anymore. I mean, I mean 120 point unlock in second was great.
1: But I'm saying if you take a horde of Forest Shamblers in Elves... They are irregular. They do not unlock. Correct.
4: I mean, either way, I mean, yeah, like he said, they're great chaff, but unless you're taking them for chaff, you're not going to really take surge for the most part, so you can't do any surge shenanigans unless you're just going to march them up and put them on a token for you then to then charge after that. Why take them?
2: And they were great with dragons being effective, and I don't think there's a lot of elf players out there taking dragons anymore, so
3: that makes shamblers less relevant on top of all the reasons Jason just outlined. Thorben has a follow-up question to this that says, Hey, should Sylvan kin exist or should the two elf lists be merged? Considering that mantic elves have always been high elves plus wood elves.
1: I definitely think that they need to have them separated. Um, I would, I would personally just like to see more of a separation with the units we've been talking about here. The the hunters, of the wild, the forest shamblers, you know, even the, Characters in the tree herder. I think that, you know, those units could easily be removed from elves, and I don't think the elf community would be upset by any means. I think there is a very clear aesthetic difference between the two lists, and. Yeah, I, I just think that Forest Shamblers, Hunter of the Wild, they just don't aesthetically fit into elves. But ally rule going away, I definitely see them staying as an irregular unit like they are. I just don't think they're going to get played.
4: If they were regular, it'd be a totally different... I mean, w- the way we're talking about greater elementals, like giving cover to Dracons, to just not going to shoot them as often uh there's some things with that yeah it's nice but for the price point of what you're paying for those options you're going to take something that's more elf based
2: your forest guard give cover to dracons you know like they only have four true you're not getting a ton out of a high three unit i would almost like to see sylvan king be a or list based out of forces of nature with some elf add-ons i think that would give them a little interesting vibe i do think I agree with what Adam said, too. Like, take him out. And I'm not going to lose any sleep over
3: Who wants to take us to the next unit?
1: All right, Battlecats, here we go. Assemble. So, Battlecats, we only got a regiment option. Speed 7, hit on 4s, defense 2. Unit strength 1, 9 attacks, 10-12 nerve for 80 points. They are elite versus swarms only. They're nimble and they're vicious in melee. I think these guys are are definitely our best chaff. Like, true dedicated chaff roll option in the army i'm sure that jason and keith here are gonna say they're just too slow but i think that speed seven nimble is actually uh, a perfect speed for them i don't want them to be more expensive and faster i actually really like their profile because that hitting on fours with nine attacks it, it surprises people and they can definitely take out other chaff, this, especially if it's swarms. You get elite and vicious against them. Um, but 100% dedicated chaff. Uh, really great option that I, I also wasn't a fan of right when third came out. But after playing them, I, I see the true power.
2: Power might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> My issue with this unit is that the foxes exist in Northern Alliance, because this unit compared to Foxes is garbage. Speed 8, Nimble, Pathfinder, Stealthy, Vicious Melee. 9 10 attacks. Their damage output is similar, unless you're fighting a swarm. Their Stealthy, their Pathfinder. If this unit had Pathfinder, we could talk. Their Speed 8. This unit is just not useful. And I said this a couple years ago. If they were speed eight, speed nine, they can be chaff for fast units. If they were speed six, great, they can be chaff for your infantry. As speed seven, you're paying points for something you don't need.
1: It's not true at all. Don't listen to him, everybody. I will argue this, Keith,
4: is that the way Adam plays his army, the speed seven is actually kind of nice. Now, the non-Pathfinder, I will agree with you that the Pathfinder would be much better. But when you're putting him behind a horde of Seaguard or a horde of Palace Guard or whatever other bigger unit to not allow double charges, um, or even in front of Drakkons where you can get them to a place where you want them, and at 80 points, you can give him a token and not care compared to, like, I love my Forest Guard because I want them to punch. Elves, you have to kill whatever you go into. So I want to guarantee a kill. So when I go in to... Whether it's the Chaff, I want to kill it. Or the unit, I want to kill it. Or I mean, get enough wounds so that it's easier for me to kill it the next turn. But I will say this, that Adam's got a good point here. At 80 points, at speed 7, you can get it places and it's not flying. So if it does waver for some reason... It can still nimble out the way. And but he's gonna keep it behind it until something until he's ready to move it out at speed seven.
2: They can't chaff for Dracons because there's a 30 millimeter difference. Even cavalry, there's a five millimeter difference. Fine if you want to take like combat infantry. And I'm not gonna say if I have 80 points left over, I wouldn't take this over something else that's 80 points in the list. I will find a way to find more points to spend more points on something over this.
4: But with Nimble, it can get at angles that it can actually cover those things.
2: Yeah, I mean, sure. If you like, get right up in someone's face.
1: Oh, uh, I just want to quickly, Rob, if you don't mind, plug a, a really good uh, battle report channel here, where you can see effects. <laughs> Was it yours? <laughs> Is it yours? <laughs> yes. mine. Yes, yes. <laughs> it does not need to cover the base size because all those units you just stated the base size doesn't match up are speed 10 flying or speed 10 nimble
2: so why do they need chef?
1: that is a good question because like other units you said oh, i'll just throw it up there pick up a token this unit fills that role for 80 points if they don't address the battle cats then the battle cats just go in and hit something and the rest of your stuff hits something else so you can get an upper hand advantage you don't have to rely on shooting and killing things in order to get the ideal charge for your dracons there's so many uses these battle cats can do and even if there's a matchup where you're like "Eh, this battle cat isn't going to do anything you've probably already won that matchup anyway
2: keith so my other issue with Battlecats, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I do think the most difficult matchup for Elves is Elves, again. And I think in the Mirror Match, Battlecats are just free points.
1: I actually played a uh, Twilightkin player in uh, one of my battle reports. and
2: Who's like a thousand years old, all right? Like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think Jared Holcomb is the same age as me, actually. So.
2: Oh, sorry. Wrong player. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was the other Twilight player when I wasn't playing Elves. They serve multiple roles. They're, they're cheap. Sounds like I won't convince you, Keith, but everybody out there just know that if you're like Keith and don't like Battlecats, you can just try them out.
4: So it sounds like at Masters, you two should play, and you're going to bring your Battlecats, and you can just play by army.
2: We don't talk about the Elf v. Elf match between Adam and I at Masters.
1: I think we should just bring up... <laughs> what the record is in the elf v. elf matchup it's not good adam you and me ken that's fine with me let's add the caveat though that i brought a brand new third edition elf army to a renegade that was two months into the third edition but decided to use second edition rules and jason was still using his second edition bulls**t <laughs> Sounds like an upset player that got mad. Board of Palace Guard got split into two regiments against, you know, a shooting gun line of elves. It was like, all right, this is fun now i know how everybody else feels
2: <laughs> <laughs> split opinion on the battle cats i'll, I'll, I'll admit
3: drake on hatchling pack never even heard of that we can skip it i want to like them but i can't
1: if he doesn't like battle cats he can't like uh drake on hatchlings i will say this chris lewis actually
4: sent me he did an all nimble list that was interesting uh one of his uk yeah. tournaments and he actually kind of liked them which was weird yeah it was just one of those things i'm I don't
1: like the list. It might have been a, a meta thing. Since we now have the formation... 100%. Like, I think these Drakon Hatchlings are completely worthless. If we didn't have our formation, then uh, they could fill that light, flying Drakon role.
2: If I can recall that Chris Lewis list, you know, he had... An, I don't remember if he had a nimble horde of Drakons, uh, but he had the formation, he had the nimble knights, and then he had the horde of Drakon Hatchling Packs, which in that mix no one's going to pay attention to the dragon hatchling pack. That's nimble and just sort of sneak it around the back. And if you can get forty-eight attacks on the flank, yeah, that'd be great. Uh,
4: 48 attacks. <laughs> yeah. It'd be
2: epic. Uh, I just don't think it's 195 points, right? Like a cav unit is 210 now. So you're like, well, and it's still on unit strength one and it doesn't unlock. It's tough to love.
4: Is a Cav unit really worth 210 or 235 That's a fair question.
1: <laughs> Any of them that you see field by Elves cost 2 That's a fair question, yeah. Unless they're shooting Cav. <laughs> right. In which case they got... They
3: cheaper. cost $180. Which is like, <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> Rob, this is what you get into having three Elf players around.
3: Par for the course. All right, well, let's get to the Cav. Jeff Bodine asks, do Cavalry have a place, or are the Drakons just too good considering the penalties Terrestrial Cavalry still face?
1: Yeah, Cav have a place when they have bows in their hands, <laughs> obviously.
4: I will admit, the Quick Lancers are pretty solid. I, I don't mind them. I could see somebody running them in a 2,000-point list or less, just trying to cut down on points. Other than the Quick Lancers, no.
2: I've come around to these units with the points drop, partially. But also, I don't sacrifice dragons to take the Quicksilver Lancers. I, I've kind of replaced a horde of Palace Guard with the Lancers and that amount of speed gives them a very interesting role. But I wouldn't replace a Dracon Rider horde with a Cricks Krix- over Lancers regiment.
1: I think a lot of people directly compare the regiment of Cav with the Dragon Hordes. Um and I don't think that's a fair comparison at all. The The Drakons are just going to be superior. I I don't care if they cost more points. They are worth every penny.
2: So much for
4: 40 points. Were they used to be the same point, or was that the Chariots and the the Heavy Calf?
1: Chariots and Calf used to be a similar 5-point price difference back when Chariots were... Very good.
2: In second, a horde of chariots was the same points as a, as a regiment cav, and they had the same nerve attacks, and they shot at twenty four inches.
1: Now the chariots had two more nerve, but they were defense four. They were the chariots were uh, a sixteen eighteen at the time.
3: I mean, Silverby's cavalry. I mean, does anybody take those?
1: We can skip. It's fine. I mean, they are irregular.
3: No one would would take these
1: anymore, right? Why would you ever take them? So <laughs> they are irregular, but. They come in troops and regiment sizes, speed 10, hit on 4s in melee, and in range. They are also defense 4. Troop is unit strength 1 for 7 attacks, 11, 13, 115 points. Regiment is unit strength 2, 14 attacks, 14, 16 nerve, 180 for points. Uh, They are nimble, and they have short bows, so 18-inch range with elite, steady aim. Yeah, these guys these guys are magical as ever.
2: They did not need a points drop. They were fine.
1: I'm sorry, Keith, have you looked and compared them to Scorch Scorchwings
2: Scorch rings are broken. With Scorch rings out there, yes, yes. they need a point drop. But yes. they
4: probably didn't need a point drop. I think 190 is probably the magic number for them.
1: Let me be very clear. Scorch Wings are still better than Silver Breeze. That Silver is points right now. Scorch Wings are 100% better.
2: Yes, but I do think in a straight elf army, there are a lot of answers to Scorch Wings. So they're not just ripping up Silver Breeze. Like, Silver Breeze against Scorch Wings, I agree. That's a no-brainer.
1: I'm doing the the bad, you know, in a vacuum, this unit versus this unit, even though there's everything else involved in the armies uh, to, to take into account. You know, kind of like how you did Battle Cats to the Snow Foxes. <laughs> yes, but... We have everything else. So I get it. But I've I've always been a fan of Silver Breeze. Uh, they were my, my first true love with the uh, Elf Army back when you could only take troops of them. Um, so I took as many as I could. That was five at the time. Now I've, you know, reined it in a little bit and only take two regiments and a troop. So
2: I do like the honorary points when you think about when you compare them to Gladestalkers because... In an elf army, you, you do need efficient shooting platforms, and I think they're reasonably they can reasonably compare where they're priced now. I do think one ninety five one ninety 190 makes probably more sense for Silver Breeze. The, the regiment is really good at one hundred points.
1: Troop is really good at one hundred fifteen. That is chaff range. There they used to be one thirty five for that troop for the exact same stats. Like one fifteen is an absolute steal. Well,
4: and with elves, we haven't talked about this, but very few units can you take both options or all three or every option in the picking, and then on top of that, the only difference I feel like is the twenty-four inch shooting versus the eighteen inch shooting. Eighteen inch people can come out and touch you a little bit more at a regimen. You don't care as much with a bunch of it, a bunch of the things that can touch you.
1: That eighteen inch shooting
4: does where, like when you were running them before, they were twenty-four, right, Adam? Yes.
1: Yeah, back when they were second edition, only troop options, but they were 24 inch range and effectively steady aim because nimble gave you steady aim back then.
4: Right, even nimble 10, 18 inch, like you can still set your shots where you want them. It's just you have a little less mobility, but it's way still way more mobility than the glade stalkers to set up what you want. Plus, I will say this: they're being as mobile as they are, they do give cover to other things that we will talk about later.
2: And they're stout at both levels.
1: Absolutely. Really why I love them is because I do run them in front of, you know, the Dracons that we will talk about. And it's just, even if I'm in range of getting charged with these Silver Breeze units, people don't want to charge them because... They're very difficult to break uh, with defense for 14-16 and even if you do kill them, you're sacrificing whatever unit just hit them, and that's likely going to cost more than one hundred eighty.
2: Eighteen inches means the thing that's going to charge them has to be either Elven Cav or a flyer, so either overpriced. I mean, a flyer is going to be overpriced, and then you're going to have a response, and there's a decent chance that like anything beyond like a flying horde. Isn't even gonna kill him on the charge. Like I don't there's a good chance that Gorch Wings don't kill Silver Breeze on the charge. And then you're like, well, cool, I'll just poke you and sit you down while the people behind me go off and do bad things to the rest of your army.
4: They'd have to be double charged because like a beast of nature, it's at seven attacks. Isn't gonna do it. Yeah, I mean seven
2: so- there's sevens to waver. You know, if you hit all of your hits, it's a seven to waver.
1: Cool looking tactics here. If we want to combine them with some battle cats. Even though you don't cover the full base of that Silver Breeze unit, you cover enough where you push them off to the side that your Silver Breeze get a flank if they do come in and don't waver you. It makes people think.
3: Well, is it time to get to the unit that everybody has a question about? I guess it's time. Let's just start with the opening salvo. Uh, Chris Bowen asks, are Dracon mandatory? Yes.
1: Why are you playing elves if you don't have Dracons?
3: Play Sylvan Ken if you don't want Dracon.
1: Best hammer in the game. Why wouldn't you take them? Jessica asks, how many
3: Drakon are too many Drakon?
4: Probably three
1: hordes.
3: Thorben asks, should Drakons be a regular? <laughs> you guys are going to say no.
4: I think he's asking because of all the allies that Drakons have been being ran ass. Clash of Kings last year, UK, there's a bunch of them. Some people here in the States have been running them. With them cutting out allies, I don't think so. For sure, don't think so. Not just being an elf player, but that is why they do ask if they should be a regular. Because as allies, they're really good.
2: I don't think we need as many unlocks as we did even a half edition ago. So I wouldn't lose my... <laughs> if they became a regular. I do think a he esque treatment would be reasonable.
3: Drop allies out of the game. Or drop allies and out of the game.
4: Yeah, it's Stop fine. talking,
3: Keith. Funny all the things we have to put band-aids on because... They're potentially abusable as an ally, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things we've got to do. And if it is, if that's not a thing, then a lot of things can be unfixed. So speed 10, melee 3,
2: defense 5, a regiment and a horde. 9 attacks the regiment, 12, 14, 165 points. 18 attacks, 3 units strength as a horde. 15, 17, 275 points. Height 4, crushing death 1, thunder charge 1, elite melee, and fly. It has a standard hammer stats plus fly and elite, which is very good. Elite makes many items better. You get more out of your items. You have 18 attacks. I don't think the regiments are anything good outside of the formation, which is unfortunate. This doesn't make Jason wrong about Silver Breeze. It was a stupid point to say that that was one unit that you could take both options. I don't think regiments make sense.
1: Seaguard was the other. Yes. Because they have regiment and
2: horde. But I don't think you would take a secret troop if it was available for what it's worth.
1: Do they even have a troop? They don't. So what
3: is the magic number? I mean, how many Dracon units and what size are you guys running? So I take five. uh, (laughs) Are you serious? Because I
2: take two Dracon hordes and the formation, which you could argue is five. Which is why I reject the premise of the question that's coming up in a second.
1: Thing. I think it's a mandatory for one Dracon horde. Matt's question was is the force formation useful enough if the cost is not being able to fit more than one other horde of Dracon in a list, or should people just be focusing on taking as many hordes of Dracons as possible? My answer is no. The formation's too good not to take. It is Auto-include, in my opinion. Every elf army will benefit from that formation. It's just too good.
2: But I will say, I don't think the formation should replace the way I play it. And I've been playing elves with two Dracon hordes for a long time, to my everlasting shame. But I don't think the formation should replace a horde. I think the formation...
1: I disagree.
2: That's fair. That's fair. I'm not saying it, it's it can't. I just don't think it should... Um, because the formation and the two hordes is just a lot to deal with.
4: So I've played both. I've played two hordes by themselves and then the one horde and the formation. I can see both depending upon how you want to play. If you want to be more spread out, you take one horde and the formation. The thing about the new, the Drycons, once they took away Nimble, is that they had to move from the outer, from the outside of the board to the inner thirds it's like they're about a third in for the most part in which then they become a straightforward hammer for the most part they do have some cross lines where you can get some flanks but it's one of those things depending on the army if they have enough stuff they can just cover all the flanks and now you just have to hit stuff in the front and depending upon what you're hitting defense 5 15 17 you're averaging with a bane chant 11 and a half wounds and it's no guarantee you pop them. And dracons at 15, 17 are pretty relatively easy to, to waver depending on what's hitting them. So I can see a little bit of both and how you want to play and what else you're running with them to make them that much better.
2: Part of the reason I shit on Battle Cat so much is if you have two hordes and the formation, the formation become essentially your chaff of last resort because you can throw those guys in do your wounds, and still have two dragon Hordes coming, uh, which, like I said, is a lot to handle. And then you get multi-charges with a regiment and a horde, and you have 27 attacks. You can just project so much threat, you can cause all sorts of problems.
3: Keith, why don't you tell us what the formation is? That, that might help. Sure. So the formation
2: Kalars uh, Hunters, you get two regiments and a dragon Rider Lord, whose name is Kala R Dragonkin. It's 10 points for the Lord, 15 points each for the regiments, which takes the regiments up to 180 and the Lord up to 170. They get Nimble, Spell Ward, which is a game changer, and the Dracon Hunter Lord gets Rampage Melee D3. At 1214 regiments, you could have like a one Lightning Bolt 5 person and just waver them with Spell Ward. You got to avoid some shooting. Um, but they're still defense five against shooting. There's not a ton of piercing shooting that's going to bother them, or want to shoot at them when there's other other targets. So they're just really efficient. Nimble means they can go do shenanigans, and if you can get into flanks, they essentially become a horde. It's it's fast. You create angles. You create deterrence. It's very elfy.
4: I would add that the Lord on Dracon is really good too. Put a hex on him. You're going to win a hex off most of the time, and or, and or shut down something. Yeah,
2: he's a great hex, hex platform. And if you can get him into a rear of something and roll your three, then he's he's out of control.
4: I mean, even like you said, like you take him and put him into a flank in a front with a, a horde, they're going to pop most defense five large infantry hordes, unless it's I mean, even with like siege breakers. On average, they're doing 13, 14 wounds, if not more than that. So you should pop siege breakers with a front and a flank from that.
2: And if you're charging a unit that doesn't have a couple of wounds on it from shooting, you're also doing it wrong. So correct. You can cause some serious problems.
1: It's kind of been said, but definitely just hit on some key points. The, the hordes of Drakons, since they don't have nimble, I agree. They typically find the inner portions of the battle line. And then these uh, hunters, the Drakon regiments from the formation, they are almost always going to be on the flanks, just trying to get around units, threatening that flank, forcing people to adjust their battle lines to look towards them, which allows the rest of your army to push up aggressively or to just shoot aggressively without the opponent being able to just swarm you and overbear your shooting with mounted targets. So if they want to run right at your shooting, you're going to, You're going to punish them with this unit.
3: Well, let's jump in and talk about chariots. Tony Mullins does ask, what would it take to make Elven chariots viable? I think you flip the halving of shots. I think you
2: have the attacks and keep the shots at the
1: double. I don't see why we have to have half attacks anymore. If they're worried about the shooting attacks power, just reduce the number of attacks in the profile to make it less uh, potentially less potent. I think all the chariots that are half and ha- like half shooting, half melee now are just none of them are seeing play. So clearly, the nerf to chariots was just way too much. I think the only ones that I've seen are the Empire Dust chariots, and that's because they finally gave them the option to upgrade to have bows or to take without them. And their bows do more than just a wound or so. They provide shattering base as well. I think that all the chariots that have bows in the game need to be adjusted. You can do just a blanket adjustment for all of them by just giving all the attacks back for shooting. Or you can go individually each one and make it some sort of theme option for each army like they did for the the eod chariots the war chariots and elves as they are right now they're not going to see play because there's other options that are multi-purpose that are just so much better than they are
2: you could even take them out of you take chariots out of a bunch of lists and make them more unique if you're going to just have chariots that are worthless just don't have them in the list you know like if you're worried about chariots as general class just limit the access to them and i think that'd be fine
3: Yeah, we should mention chariots come in troop regiments or hordes and legions. And didn't chariots across the board get cheaper? Yes. Now, some of those changes were part of Clash of Kings last year, right? And they just formalized it in the new book.
1: Also added the troop and the legion sizes. So before, it used to just be three or six, regiment or horde. And now with third edition, they've added the two, three, four, six. I'm not a big fan of it.
2: I don't think these units would be broken if... They didn't have their attacks. 20 attacks in M 5s at 18 inches for 225 points.
4: Speed 8, I'm still not taking them. All the other chariots are speed. Most of the other chariots are speed 9, at least the ones that are cheaper. The unit they
1: compete with then is actually Seaguard.
2: Yep. Yes. Which would be a reasonable competition. Like, I think that's...
1: Yeah. Do you want the speed, you know, or do you want, you know, higher attacks, uh, better defense with the Phalanx? One of the things these chariots have is just flat elite as well. Which is extremely good. You know, the other multi purpose units like Seaguard only have elite melee, Silverbreeze only have elite range. So I could definitely see if they just make these guys flat attacks for rain, the fact that they are elite both ways, it will likely see much more play because of that.
2: And I don't think they'd be broken at these point values. I think they're okay. So they're in the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think that base size is a huge discussion where sure. once you get up to the higher attack values, the, the horde, like four four wide chariot, 200 wide, like you, you take the legion over the chariot every time. 30 points. The legion, we've seen play with it. It's still fairly unwieldy. Um, but, you know, 225 is a respectable range.
2: So. Can't see over hills anymore, and the range is only 5. Like,
1: guess we'll be fine. Yeah, they're not speed 9 anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, with the drop-in points,
4: I was going to try them out a couple of times. I just haven't had a chance to. I do, I don't, I like my models, so I'm going to try and use them. But I don't think that they're competitively, great but i do agree with these guys that if they give their attacks back especially at the 18 inch range versus them being at 24 before is a big deal yeah
1: i tore mine up i needed the cav models for a different unit so i'm not going back to chariots even if they make them great again
4: that's because you don't model or paint that's fine
1: (laughs) that's right i don't want to do work
4: (laughs) we'll play elves so (sighs) it's fine too (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, when I bring elves out and play with battle cats, it's just easy mode, it seems. So I got to have a challenge.
3: So let's get into war engines. Bolt thrower. War engine hits on fours. Bolt throwers 48 inches. Blast 3 elite ranged Piercing two and reload. Options. Null. Void. Bolts. Enemy units that suffer one or more damage from this unit's ranged attack. Gain the Spell Ward special rule until the end of the following turn. Seems pretty good to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Mm, I consider it.
1: Mildly useful. The no void bolts aren't really a big thing. They come up occasionally. I actually had it happen one time where I shot my bolt throwers and then was like, I want to fireball that unit now. And then it just hurts me.
3: You know, the Kingdoms of Men one is 60, and that's a freaking steal. I'm like, give me three of those bad boys. You guys are paying for that option, 20 points. You're paying like... for elite on top of that.
1: Oh yeah, good point, good point. You're paying for elite. I really like the Northern Alliance ones better, just because the Frozen special rule will almost always be useful, even if it's just slowing the battle line down a little bit. Um, yeah, give... Where the Null Void bolts are only useful when you're going up against a Surge or an army with heal. Yeah, I,
3: th- I think you give Elves the Northern Alliance version and the we Well, Jeff Bodine does ask, do the changes of the bolt throwers make them attractive enough to make changes to the Dracon list or just absorb the points increase with shrinking inventory?
4: Yeah, I took two. Yeah, you did. I I took one in second edition. Personally, I think one is okay. The only thing is, like like Adam was saying, it's going to be more helpful against heal than it would be for surge because most surge, what are you going to want? One or two inches at best. Pretty good chance that you're still going to get one, even on two dice. But with heal, you're trying to get big chunks back oftentimes so it's like well fives you're gonna get less of a big chunk most of the time and it's just extra it's a little extra piercing i don't know i i can see where running one or two could be okay but once again like he said non-scoring and we struggle for scoring units anyways
2: if i were gonna wanted something like this i would find 15 points to bring a mage with lightning bolts or i would just take a battle kit unit with my life
1: can you repeat that? If
2: I had eighty points left, I would take a battlecat. You didn't over a bolt thrower, is what I'm saying.
1: Ho, ho, ho. we can end the recording there. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: second war engine option is the dragon breath. Obviously, it's it's big thing. is a twelve inch uh, elite range, steady aim attack with twelve attacks but no piercing. I've seen this in the past in second edition, but not as much in third edition. What do we think of the Dragon Breath?
1: I took three of them in second edition. These were my second favorite units back then, but they had 15 attacks and Dragon's Breath wasn't affected by as many nags to shooting as it is now. It was individual. I think it is now affected by so it would be affected by cover and or stealthy. I think you could only get up to five ups to hit, though, if I remember right, for a second. There
3: was a minute where it was affected by nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a breath weapon, uh, right? Yeah. Or plus, it, it, and or then like they a, added
3: the stealthy or the cover. Yeah. Now, it, it basically, it does it gets all the penalties except for steady aim, right, for moving.
1: But they also lowered the attack value. It used to be 15 with a lead, which I think... At 90 points, like if it was still 15 with elite, you would see it more often. Elves run into that uh, unlocks, n- not necessarily unlock problem, but uh, scoring unit problem that we've been discussing. So I think 90 points is just better spent elsewhere in the army.
2: And it's tough with no piercing, too. Part of the reason War Carmen are good is they have the piercing. You have plenty of tools to strip things that you don't need piercing to kill in the elven army. This was a force multiplier when it was 45 more attacks at 270 points, and once you got within 18 inches, you just started melting that much faster. I just don't I don't see it nowadays.
4: I would add on to that what Adam said, that you can only use this unit for one, maybe two turns. The upgrade, like uh, Keith was saying, to the Archmage, it's, you get six turns with the Archmage. For five points. Yeah, for not much more expensive, and they're both not scoring. I'd rather have six turns of something versus one or two.
1: And if you want something that's scoring 25 more points for a troop of silver breeze
4: or 10 points for the noble chariot or negative 10 points for battle cats,
1: (laughs) but it doesn't shoot Keith. That's true. Sorry.
3: Philip Jordan Cox does ask, why do elves have no monster or Titan options? And that's something you broached at the beginning of the show. What are you guys thinking about this? The fact that you guys don't have any non-unique monsters or titan options.
2: Because they'd be slow or they'd be broken. Like, if you gave us a Pegasus-style, non-riding Dracon that was anywhere from 90 to 120 points. That was like a move 10 piece of chaff. it would be broken. And then if you gave us, like, a monster that was movement 6-7 with a number of attacks, you kind of already have the tree herder, and nobody takes the tree herder, so... I can see from a game design reason why they don't have them. I'd love for them to be smarter than me and figure it out, but I understand.
4: A tree herder also fills the hero slot versus a monster.
2: I'm just saying it's a similar function of, you know, moving 6, 7, 10 to 12 attacks. It's it, You know, a monster could be less expensive and not inspire or have a radiance of life, but, like, you still wouldn't take it.
1: If we were given, like, a, a Phoenix option, it could fit an elf Army thematically, and I could... Definitely see that being played in Elves and potentially opening up other play styles. Since it does have heal built in and you can get Radiance of Life, like uh, how we had mentioned, you could go for more of a elite, grindy type option if you have that type of a support role coming out of the monster slash titan slot. But yeah, I, I don't think that they want to give us something that's cheap or something that's extremely uh powerful and i don't know if it could compete with dracons if it was trying to fill the powerful role either so
4: even something that can heal dracons whether it's radiance of life or heal that's the part with dracons that their one weakness is that we don't have a whole lot of heal unless you take an archmage and just soup them up with healing
2: it's crazy expensive yeah
4: yeah but it's they're still 15 17 like it's not hard to do a bunch of wounds especially with artillery or mass shooting so it's you have to really keep them in cover and then as well as like even in cover it's like fives and fives you can still do a decent amount with some decent shooting
2: yeah healing a wavered unit is like cool and dragons waver like it's their job sometimes
4: Yep. yeah <laughs> Like you were saying, Adam, I don't think they'll ever give us that because you give them Radiance of Life and just plant it next to a Dracon. It's going to be hard to get rid of dracons at that point.
2: Or five dracon units. Just throwing it out there.
4: Let's get into the
3: heroes, and Keith, you need to go through the Elven King.
2: Sure. Feet six, melee three, defense five, five attacks, 13, 15, 100 points. I don't see why you'd ever take him not mounted. So the mounted option is 35 points, so he's basically 135 Crushing 1, Elite, Melee, Individual, Inspiring, and Mighty. You can give him a Tooth Hunting Cat, so that shows up for 10 points, or the Shard Blade for 15 points one time to increase his melee to 2 up, which is essentially like 5 hits, like 4.8 something. Useful, not broken. I think it struggles because it's expensive to make it useful, and we kind of struggle for unlocks at times. Comparing it to someone else on the list... You make it 150 points, put it on a horse with a shard blade. You can spend 30 more points to have a speed 10 unit that shoots and with unit strength two or spend 35 less points and have a troop. And it's like, okay, um, I'd love to, these guys to be cool. Elf is elves are not the army. If you want to play hero hammer. Or twenty five
4: points to have a scoring hero.
2: That flies. Or ten points for a dracon lord
4: if you've souped him up.
1: It's just gonna add on. I think that this isn't just an elf problem. I think that across all the armies the the melee individuals are seeing a, a rapid decline. Unless they're just dirt cheap options they're not getting played so i I don't think this is just an issue in the elf army it's an issue with the uh, game design overall so i do hope that in general something gets changed doubt it will be until fourth edition that it will be changed but I, i definitely think that these types of units need love in some way
3: we're seeing less and less individuals right uh, because of the, the, the move towards more unit strength. And you guys are an elite army, so you're already having a hard time getting enough unit strength in your list to begin with, because you don't have as many bodies and as many units. And the mages are just so good, right? So if you're going to sacrifice a unit strength, why not just bring a mage? So Matthew Selig asks, why is the future king, the prince, not inspire people? Because you don't move up. Elven life is like a giant
2: pyramid scheme that no one gets out of the way. So like <laughs> when you have like three dozen generations and one king, a prince is just a dime a dozen, you know? It's like the spare, except there's 300 of them. He's not a hero either.
1: I think this falls into the game design. I'd like to see these uh, three attack hero profiles combined with the army standard profiles to where basically you just eliminate the army standard and give these three attack heroes inspiring, call it a day. You'll see them more often. They'll fill a much better role in the army. Because right now you don't see either uh, the prince or the army standard bear unless you're literally like, I need a bane chant for as cheap as I can possibly get it. I I think that if you combine the two, give a mildly decent attack value to an inspiring unit for 55 points in the Elf Prince, you would see them occasionally. They aren't going to be broken by any means. Absolutely see a much better increase in play.
2: And the Throwing Cat would bring these guys back too, because you could get a 90-point unit that would be decent chaff, and you could kill Chaff with a one time with a throwing cat. They were tons of fun with throwing cats.
1: I would like to see all the Elf heroes actually just have a ranged stat,
2: like the Goblin King. Just like you can, shoot. yeah, shockingly,
1: give us some bow shot. You're a prince or king, and you don't know how to shoot an arrow, bow and arrow.
4: Are you trying to say, Keith, that you don't take the cat on a three attack? Individual.
2: I mean, six attacks, is just going to take
1: out anything. <laughs> It'll take out a goblin hero, maybe.
2: I will say I put together a theory list with a mage on a horse with a shadow beast and a couple elf princes. Because at that point it's like I'm throwing in 80 points and I'm doing five or six crushing three or whatever. That spell does tax on top of a Dracon unit or something, but as fun as it seemed in my head. And
1: then Keith looked at the uh, Riftforge orcs and realized that that hero already exists in a single profile and you don't need a mage to back it up. So, yeah, just throw that list out the window. It's
4: true. Like, Kingdoms of Men, Hero, is dirt cheap, so you can just throw them around. Where this one is, I mean, 80 points isn't cheap, but it's, like you said, it's a one-unit strength unit. Might as well take that.
3: Unlocks
2: are cheaper in Kingdoms of Men, so... Correct.
4: Anybody
3: that's comparing to Hero Hero is going to lose that comparison, it's right? Because true. It's, it's 40 and then 25 for the horse, and then Indomitable Will for 5. You're talking 70 points for a unit that can't be wavered it's pretty good
1: extremely effective it is but
3: you know i think that's one of the nice things about kings of war is that even though sometimes it feels like maybe the armies are very similar there's examples like that where there are distinctions that that draws a line between some of these armies you know tree herder guys i think we talked about earlier we're not using this right like if you want to play the tree herder Aren't you just going to play Sylvan King? Right. Or Force of Nature. Yeah.
1: You know, one that could actually get the Wilt Father.
3: I would take Wilt Father, but otherwise.
1: In an army where you're already hurting for points,
3: it's stupid expensive. Question Do you guys have any way to make use of the Verdant keyword? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Alright, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pass the, the tree herder. Adam, let's take us through the army standard bearer. You mentioned it's not being used much. Do we have to?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's just focus on that. It's 60 points. Every other army standard in the game is like 50 points or less. I think there's one that's fifty-five, but it has I think that's the Varinger one. And it has like two ranged attacks that it comes with. Like weird profiles, but why are we paying 60 points for an army standard bear? It's because it has elite melee with its one attack. Give me a break, okay? This is awful <laughs> design. Get this thing out of the, the army. Just, it's, no. All right, next unit.
3: Lord on Dracon, who's going to take us through it?
2: I mean, the Dracon Lord is good. I mean, so it's speed 10, melee 3, defense 5, one unit strength 5 attacks, 13, 15, 160 points, uh, Christian Strength 1, Elite Melee, Fly, Inspiring, Nimble, and thunder Charge 1. It's decent. Hard to justify not out of the formation. I don't have a problem taking it out of the formation. I don't have a problem taking a second one, if you uh, have the feeling to do it. But I do think, more often than not, if you're taking
4: it, it's going to be part of the formation. I've taken it for the longest time. I love this. I love this unit. With Elves, they spread out uh, already. And adding him gives you extra inspiring out on a flank. Plus, like I said, him into a flank, 10 attacks, or a rear with 15. You're just adding attacks at that point. And at the very worst, he's unit strength one on an, like, invade or a unit strength on a unit strength scenario. It's not bad at all compared to, like, if you had a dragon at unit strength one type of thing.
3: He seems like a discount general on a winged beast from Kingdoms of Men, right? Because he's got less attacks, uh, he has less crushing, but he's only 160 points. Yeah,
4: correct. I've always liked him. And him going down in points i was like yes please i actually just ran him with a second one formation and another one in a one day here locally and really enjoyed it
3: well let's get into the elven mage i mean th- this guy i mean this is a buffet right here i mean there, there's maybe more options on this unit than any other unit obviously the elven mage speed six even though i don't think that really matters Malay five defense four you know one attack no one cares 11 13 or 60 points but his big thing is he's the master of magic. So, this unit can reroll all two hit rolls of natural, unmodified one with Bane Chant, Heal, Hex, Lightning Bolt, Mind Fog, Surge, and Wind Bless. So, I guess they didn't want to just say Elite with all those options. They wanted to make a special rule. Well, Elite would have applied to library library spells. Yeah.
1: Every other spell in the game.
3: So they had to make a, a new special rule. And then options, you got 25 for the horse, and then you can take Banechant, Heal, Hacks, Lightning Bolt, Mind Fog, Surge, and Windblast. By the way, there's no Blizzard here. It's very sad. It's very sad. You used to be the master of Blizzard.
2: Well, until I got Blizzard with my Blizzard. Blizzard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nick LeGrand asks, What are your favorite kit outs oh, for a mage given elves have ultimate flexibility in how to set it up?
1: I'll let Keith take this one because I just copy-pasted his.
3: It's not
2: unique. It's not hard to figure out. There is a standout kit out, which is mage, horse, boost levitation, alchemist, curse, four, and just cause problems.
3: We have you to thank because of Jeff O'Neill. And now Kyle Poole's been running that same <laughs> in the goblin list.
2: It's better, Nelves. It's expensive. It's 150 points.
3: But I appreciate that. It's, it's, your, your, your taint is rubbed off on a lot of people. I
2: rub my taint on everything I can.
3: <laughs> Outside of that
2: standout option, Lightning bolt is epic on an elven mage. pain chance always useful. Conjurer staff is a good item. Boomstick is not as great as it used to be. You could probably still justify it. I I would probably drop wind blast on an, on on that lightning bolt mage before I drop the boom boomstick because wind blast six with master of magic can just pull some crazy shenanigans late in the game. I find myself not running as many mages as I used to, but they're still a
4: lot of fun. I actually don't like the Alchemist curse. I only ran them once. I need to play with them a little bit more Prefer more range so i like the lightning bolt battery a little bit more with the lightning bolt battery i typically take an inspiring talisman one with lightning bolt uh, another one with lightning bolt five bane chan two and the amulet so at any point i can at one turn cast two spells and then i have another one typically that has a lightning bolt and bane chan two that way you can't just go i don't put the bane chan on inspiring because he's more expensive So people typically go after the Inspiring anyways, and then I don't lose my Bane chant. I can see the Alchemist Curse. I'm not as good with individuals as these two experts over here, the non-elf player and the real elf player, but he is good, especially against stuff that elves struggle with, which is high defense.
2: Which is usually slow, so you can shoot at it without penalty. And then Alchemist Curse, I use it on chaff early. You can hit characters with it if you get behind someone's lines. The only time I screw it up is when I get... Super excited about doing something first turn and then die. Uh, so, you you know, give up one or two turns of Alchemist Curse to get yourself in a position to just cause problems for four turns. So like Iron Beasts are terrified of this. Steel Behemoths are terrified of this guy. I guess he's a, oh, yeah, he's
1: epic. The thing that I like to do when I ran it was put it up in danger of something that doesn't have a high attack profile necessarily. Get that first turn shot and say, Do you want to take those, you know, that 10 attack unit or that, you know, chaff unit into it? And then it's going to be exposed. I'm just going to run away from you and not shoot next turn. But I'll get in a better position then for turn three. He's almost like a semi-bait type unit. Because, like, even a dragon going into an 11-13, it's not a guarantee that you're going to kill that unit.
2: You just chase a dragon around for three turns after that.
1: Right. And if the dragon doesn't charge you then, you're just going to get behind it in the next turn because speed nine nimble individuals does bullshit. So,
2: and it's a trap because to beat elves, you have to strip their unit strength, which they don't always have a ton of, or to strip their scoring units. But if you're stripping their scoring units, this guy just has free reign. And if you spend time trying to knock this guy out, and it takes you two or three turns, you're not killing scoring units, so you can't win.
1: So, if you add it up, this guy you know, if you don't kill him, he's gonna have six turns of Alchemist Curse four. We'll say average of defense four, so that's eight shots a turn for six turns. So, we're getting 32 shots, average of half of those hits. That's
2: 48 shots there, boss.
1: Oh my god, 48 gosh, fast hard 48, so 24 hits. That's where I was going with this. And then wounding on two, so we're effectively getting 20 wounds Twenty wounds out of the entirety of the game from this 150 point unit.
2: It just multiplies if you're hitting defense five or defense six. It's just...
1: So people should be afraid of it, but to what extent will they commit to shut it down? If they have hex, then yeah, that, that'll that do it. Yeah, Get shut down for that one turn.
2: And then go hide behind a dragon.
1: Yeah. And then you counter hex their hexers, and then you have a duel off. Chess game begins.
3: Are any of you guys taking the Dragon Kindred Lord? Sadly, no.
1: Not anymore. Take Tidarian.
2: I mean, if you're going to take one, yeah, but unit strength is just too big nowadays to spend 300 points on one unit strength.
1: It's so tough to justify. And even, I think there's been like discussions of all Titans getting the slasher treatment of going up to two unit strength. I don't even think the Dragon Kindred Lord, it really, I don't think that would be enough because... It's not so much the number of unit strength he is. It's just that it's a single entity of a unit strength in a 305 point unit. And you likely give him a little bit of magic item or you take Tidarian. So you're looking at 330, 335.
2: So. If you give me unit strength two. I would go back and look at my four dragon list just to be ridiculous. But even then it's, it's not game changer
3: well let's go ahead and talk about the unique version of that character I guess if you are taking the dragon Kindred lord you're taking t- was it Tyderian
1: yeah yeah I like to say tidy, tidy cat well I mean he's got a little bit more
3: nerve right but he's also 30 more points so yeah
1: Tyderian, you're getting you're getting brutal you're getting crushing four which uh, instead of crushing three which granted is minimal times it's gonna be useful you're getting flat elite so that your breath weapon Uh, also gets elite. You're very inspiring instead of inspiring. You're also getting more attacks on your breath weapon, so 12 attacks instead of 10, and then that bump in nerve to an 18-20 instead of a 17-19. So you do get quite a lot of value. I think that very inspiring is one of the key ones for elves that effectively doubles your, uh, or almost doubles your inspiring bubble.
3: Question I have for you guys, you know, obviously inspiring is important for army construction you guys are elite right you have a hard you may have a hard time getting those unlocked. so what are you guys doing for inspiring hoping my opponent rolls low <laughs> are you guys there's another special no no nope. we'll
4: get to him right, now.
2: <laughs> All right. he's the answer All right, we'll get to him. he's the answer
4: he's one of them i mean i take tardarian actually but the problem with tardarian you have to bring a suitcase with them and that's a silver reese troop to get him to where you want to be Or a battle cap.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's true about a normal dragon, and you're not getting as much.
4: Correct, but Tidarian is just better than a normal dragon. Agreed.
2: And there's tons of value in the 30 points.
4: Correct. And that's where I think, like we said about the alchemist Curse guy, he's your solution to defense six for the most part.
2: he's your solution to Tidarian, too, to be fair.
4: I like the very inspiring later on in the game. I use him later on, but for the beginning, I have the inspiring Talisman Mage and a Dracon Lord so that if i spread out mages with the main infantry group tydarian's on one side dragon typically is on the other side and kind of roll from there but i like Tidarian. i like my model for Tidarian
1: is one reason why i use it that's a good reason probably the only reason <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you told me to take Tidarian. no no no. i'm saying not for Tidarian, but just in general to take a dragon yeah yeah because
3: you like the model
1: yeah
4: i mean i mean he's one of the best dragons in the game if you are going to take him he's not over the top price like a Paphos. I mean, you put him behind a Silver troop, nineteen shots with elite on fours.
2: Within twelve inches though. I mean he
3: didn't have same range.
4: That's fine. You're still not hitting the I dragon. Go ahead and hit go ahead hit my troop. Yeah. Might not kill it.
3: A long time ago in a galaxy far far away, we used to see noble war chariots all the time. And I can't tell you the last time I saw it. So Rick hoy asks, Is there any justification whatsoever for taking a noble on a chariot? If you don't want to take battle cats and have twenty points, maybe.
1: No, you take the troop of Silver Breeze for five more points now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll often find somewhere between, like, 60 and 110 points of just, like, I don't know what to do with this. And sometimes I'll consider putting a Noble Chariot in, and more often than not, I just don't.
4: If he was inspiring, I would take him.
2: If you speed nine, I'd take him.
4: I mean, you compare him to, like, a, a Goblin King on Chariot. There is no comparison. I know we're not trying to compare to other armies, but I've had conversations with multiple people. Like if he, he's got two less attack or three less attacks, less nerve, uh, less speed, and no inspiring.
2: The crushing strength change is interesting, but again, it's just not enough.
4: On four attacks. Yeah. Like I do go in second edition with an inspiring talisman, but yeah. I mean like you said, take a archmage unless you're going for insp- or for scoring.
2: Yeah, unless you're hurting for
4: scoring. Yeah. Yeah, no point. The the lightning bolts going to do more damage.
1: I always directly compared the chariot back when they were, you know, very uh, very much taken to a troop of silverbreeze. And the discrepancy between the attacks is what really set set them apart. I I don't think the chariots have ever been better than a troop of Silver Breeze. Unless you take Inspiring. That's the only time. That's-
2: and then you're taking one. I mean, there was a time when I took three and Adam kicked my teeth in pretty hard. So.
1: Yeah, those Silver Breeze won the day. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I just, you know, had one really good turn of shooting at a Dracon unit that wasn't Inspired. Twice. You did that twice. You did, yeah, yeah,
3: it was un- unpleasant.
1: You had two Dracon units, so I had to <laughs> do it twice. So,
3: Well, let's jump into the unique units Matthew Selleck starts us off with. Why don't elves have a unique caster hero? We do have a unique caster hero. We
1: do, yeah. Nimway. We have probably one of the best unique caster heroes, if not the best.
2: I mean, now that the cheating Twilight can are gone. She's up there
1: we were talking about differentiating sylvan Ken and elves Nimway's the exception we're, we're not gonna ditch <laughs> nimway everything else that's verdant can leave the army but she stays so you want the wood elf sorceress
2: she's the lady of the lake man she's got to be a normal elf
1: why she's in pathfinder though it doesn't make sense because that'd be broken it's not fluffy but it'd be broken
4: If you read the fluff on her, it's broken.
3: King's Champion. So Chris Lewis used him.
4: I don't mind him. I've played him a handful of times now. I think it all depends upon how you play your Glade Stalkers. He's a little pricey, but if you're moving up with your Glade Stalkers continuously with the steady aim and get it in into combat where the furior is going to come into play. I can see it being played a lot more. The Very Inspiring is nice. Actually, the list I'm going to read actually has him in it. But And 7 Attacks, adding that on to something else, is on 3s with Elite and Crush 1. Pretty solid. The Mighty Phalanx. He's got a tool belt. Yeah, I mean, he's speed 7. Melee three plus defense five plus seven attacks fourteen sixteen nerve for an individual is really good at defense five one forty five for points aura fury kindred only which, like Keith's been saying, is basically spears warriors the cheap warriors archers. and then glade Saunders don't forget archers and archers that we always forget archers at this point crush one duelist so fourteen attacks isn't terrible like it gives you a chance unless they're defense five uh, elite and melee. Which he only has melee. I don't know why they wrote melee next to it. Individual, mighty, phalanx, and then very inspiring. Like I said, the very inspiring to me is the biggest thing.
2: He's
1: expensive. I think that if you were going to take a king, like, on foot or mounted, this is actually the uh, the better option. Mm-hmm. He is speed 7, so he's slower than the king on horse, but with the 7 attacks and the duelist, like, you're the king kit out that we were talking about where you hit on 2s, you get the duelist saber cat upgrade. Like, by the time you get all that, it's going to cost 20 to 30 more points than this guy, and... This guy just has that kit already built in and he has fury and he has one better nerve. This guy's just better if you're looking for that king on foot role.
2: I can see how he worked really well for Chris with three Glade Stalkers because he just hangs out with them and he's one extra turn of speed bump or more because uh, Adam said earlier things that are just diving for your Glade Stalkers probably are affected by Phalanx. So you just stick the king in their face and they're like, well, you can't go around me because I'm mighty. So I get to shoot at you another two turns.
1: Yeah, and that phalanx strips nimble, which is big for an individual.
2: And thunderous. Yeah, you're gonna, you can't hurt me if you lose your either half or all of your
3: combat punch.
4: I can see why people don't take him. It just depends on the army, to me, for him.
3: All right, who wants to take us through Argus?
1: Allow me. <laughs> this guy has inspiring, and he has a rule where he can give one other unit on anywhere on the board, inspiring. And then they gave him some other crappy rule where he can reroll a single dice that failed to hit or failed to wound, regardless of line of sight, all this. Argus is a complete bait. Do not take Argus. (laughs) If you're spending points just to have inspiring, you're doing it wrong. There are other units in the elf army that you can get value out of everything else in the game, shooting, combat, that also inspire. Take those other units. Don't take Argus.
2: Wow. I hard disagree. Where are you at, Jason?
1: I'm in between. I want him to be a
4: little bit more expensive and be scoring. Because since he's already a monster, I want him to score like the monolith. Yeah. But at 10 extra points more than a standard bearer, when you have a list that spreads out like crazy... It's not bad. I play with him once or twice now. I'm going to play with him again here Thursday. And I can see the value. Now, the re-roll, that's whatever. Like, oh, screw that. Unless you're taking a bolt thrower or madriga, no point. But it's defense 5-13. It's not going to die easy. It's already inspiring himself and can give out inspiring. So it's all dependent upon, for me, if, like, for my, my normal list, my area-based. So I'm not as worried about it. Giving out super far inspiring. But for a list where you're taking the formation, you're taking like how Adam plays his list. I could see him being upset. It's like, why would I take this guy when he doesn't score?
2: Counterpoints, 70 points. He's two sources of expiring, which is about 40 points if you're just doing items. And he's six turns of blade of slashing or base of crushing, which is 30 points. So he's perfectly pointed.
1: Your math's wrong. How is my math wrong? Blade of Slashing, Mesa Crushing is only 5 points.
2: But you get it for 6 turns. You get it every turn.
1: You also get Blade of Slashing or Mesa Crushing for 6 turns if that unit is in combat.
2: That's fair. Well, I'll retract that (laughs) statement. However, there is a utility when your Drakons are averaging 12.5-ish wounds against a Defense 4 unit. And you need to make that average work. You can use it there. You can use his thing on an alchemist curse roll, which essentially gives you alchemist curse eleven or nine. And I don't buy f- inspiring; I just buy Argus. So yes, you could buy inspiring units that do, sh- or just don't buy the inspiring. I'm a huge convert on this guy. I have this guy and one other inspiring source. It's all I need. It allows me to cram a bunch of other killy sh- in the list, and that one roll. Can turn a combat. How many times are you in in combat and you need one more wound? And just as long as you figure that out.
1: But the thing is is that you don't know if you need that one more here, there, or in the two other combats or shooting that you have.
2: I mean, you could have one combat where you're like, This one has to go right. And you don't have to choose it until you roll you come up with Dracons and you hit fifteen times, you're like, Well, I'm not gonna use it on this one. And then you could go to the next one. Sure. It's it's target priority.
1: I'm upset at that they just added that in here because I think it's just poor lazy rule writing where they're like, oh, let's give them a living legend unit. What would elves want to have for a living? Something that inspires and that can inspire something else. It's like, cool. So you gave us two battle standards (laughs) in one unit. Great idea. Why don't you give us something that's actually cool? please? I mean, we
2: do have five living legends. Let's, we have a lot of living legends.
1: Yeah, Six and, live and live one in. of them gets taken, actually, regularly. I'm also in the boat of, I've never run much Inspiring with my elves. Two is my max, and it would just be Argus if I'm not running any other Inspiring source. But turns out there's actually good inspiring sources in the army that you should be taking over this guy well if you're taking the formation i already get one the formation is one of them and we'll get to the other one here with nimway argus is not it i agree with both of you guys honestly
4: i do agree that if he was scoring he'd be automatic yeah. even at 100 points like agreed make him scoring for 100 points i would take him in an instant no questions about even like 110 i would still take them because we're so spread out as an elf player that it just makes it so much easier and like you said that you can put even at 110 i'll still put more in than i could because how many times do you get down like 70 points you're like what the hell am i gonna do with 70 60 or 70 points Mm -hmm. that's where for me argus is argus is good but I'm with you, Keith. I like three inspiring sources. Me and Adam actually got in this argument today. I want three inspiring sources because of how I play my list.
2: I live with two forever. Played with three briefly last year. I appreciate three. I think two is fine. Because if it's going to die in an open army, it's going to be real dead, usually.
1: <laughs> That's why I don't want it to die. That's my thought exactly, is that usually inspiring just means that you have to try and roll Snake Eyes one more time.
3: Yep. Well, let's keep rolling. We got Madriga, the elf. She is a hero, infantry, beat seven melee, three three range, defense four plus. Three attacks, 11, 13, nerve, and 125 points. Special rules, it looks like she's got them all. <laughs> Elite, individual, inspiring, self-only. That's a weird one, and, and Mecha Surgeon asks, why does Madriga, Captain of the Sea Guard, only inspire herself? Any ideas why that's the case?
4: Never inspired in 2nd Edition. She was actually elite and vicious both ways with no inspiring, and she was legit. I took her every list in 2nd Edition. Good, bad, or indifferent. She, for me, with pierce too she was a way better bolt thrower a mobile bolt thrower i could throw her in and she'll do a wound most times on melee three plus with elite i loved her and then it came to third edition and took out vicious at three attacks it's not enough
3: and they took away the master hunter and they gave us madriga
4: I mean, that's really what it was. The trick shot, I never hit on.
3: Once per game, Madriga can use the following range weapon. Trick shot, 48 inches. Attacks, one. Blast, D6. Piercing, two. Ignores cover. Chris Owen does ask, why isn't there a Master Hunter type character for elves? Madriga is fine, but would like to have a cheaper character that I can customize.
4: If Madriga inspired other people, I would take her.
3: Given
2: her the Karis treatment, which is what Nick asked, is an interesting point. I still don't think I would take her because it's just one, one shot and you're going to miss it a third of the time half the time if you're shooting an individual
1: that might be a reason to take argus (laughs) if you dedicate it to madriga's one shot if she could do it every turn also if argus scored but i won't take him until he scores
3: nick legrand asked if madriga got the Karas treatment was able to use her trick shot ability each turn rather than once per game would that change your guys opinion of her if she could do the trick shot every turn probably not she's 125 points and as you said, uh, Jason, she, she doesn't inspire, only herself.
4: If she had four attacks, no. If she's at three attacks, yes, I would take. I would do that.
1: I would like to see this trick shot be two attacks and blast D3 yeah. instead of blast D6. Yeah,
4: but I'm saying, though, like if you had to choose between three attacks and trick shot every turn, you're going to take trick shot every time versus... If you give her four attacks, then it's got to be a decision. What you want to do based upon whatever. She's not your whole shooting. Right. She is the addition to everything. Kind of like what Nimwe is. Jason, since you, you brought her up, take us through Nimue. So Nimue, speed six, melee five plus, defense four plus, one attack, nerve 12, 14, 150 for points. Her big thing is, though, she has cloak of death, individual, inspiring, stealthy, but she has a also has the Wander of Ways. She's kind of like McNeil. You can move 10 once, speed 10 once, but the other thing, and with Fly, but the other thing is that you can actually cast a spell when you move at the double. Fireball 10, heal 4, surge 4, and wind blast 5. Super toolkit, but the whole Fireball 10 with Shattering, Cloak of Death, that's two wounds every time. Potentially three. Yeah, potential oh well, you have to do three, definitely. It's either one or three.
1: Honestly, this is the ideal kit, in my opinion. Like if I had to create a, a character price point wise in this this range that's a spellcaster, like this is what I would want out of it.
2: I used Nimway for an entire season, but I dropped her for more units to rent and more score or stouter scoring units, partially because if I had to choose between two at hundred and fifty point magic user, I chose the Alchemist Curse Mage over her. And she's not elite with her fireball, so she let me down tons of times. She's great at killing little things and dropping Cloak of Death where my Drakons were going, but she just always let me down on, like, defense 5 units when I really needed her. And she's crazy expensive. I rarely don't get the points back with the Alchemist Curse Mage. There were times when it struggled with her. Stealthy armies drove her insane. I like her, but I, it's hard to justify me to me to take her
1: nowadays inspiring now is what put it put it over the edge for me before the change with the situational inspiring she would inspire verdant only effectively just herself and the entire army Our tree herders that's cool yeah that inspired already she's a great tool in my opinion i i definitely see where you're coming from keith but i take both the dismage and the alchemist curse
2: and it's great yeah it, it just drives your opponents insane it's just 300 points for that unit
4: strength.
1: Yeah, yeah. But when you're taking battle catch, you make up for it.
4: So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take either. I do see the value in both though. I mean, I want to get Nimway in. Like he said, she's pricey.
3: All right. Well, let's take a quick commercial break and on the other side, we'll kind of come back in and we're going to talk about how this army plays in the competitive environment and we're going to share some lists. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG and you are listening to
3: Countercharge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. And first up we got Thorbin who asks, if you could add a unit to the elf list, what would it be? I mean it'd be broke tastic, but I would add a riderless Dracon.
1: A monster slash Titan of some sort that provides some value, not anything specific, but a playable monster slash titan is what I would want to see added to the army.
4: I would agree with both these guys. It's something that we could use to unlock
1: for
3: obviously we're we're into this 3.5 of of third edition how is the army going to do how do they feel how does it f- like fit in that meta
1: i think elves are the meta breaker just straight up this this go around night stalkers got the knockdown don't see as many ogres with their shield breakers even though i think that we still had a good good fight against ogres but I think lightning bolt spam from them was more of the issue. So now it's more of the greater air elementals and then the Scorchwing meta. But we outrange the Scorchwings and have better units than them. And then we have superior shooting and range to be able to control the greater air elementals. So I already saw it at the UK Masters, Elves took it home. I would not be surprised to see Elves take several other tournaments this year, especially since I expect Keith's going to be running them for the rest of the year as well.
2: I think that's a pretty succinct rundown. We're not world beaters. It's not, I don't think it's broken, but I do think it controls the meta. I do think, and we'll get to this a little bit later, Elf on Elf is probably the hardest matchup again.
4: There's some other bad matchups. Like, Trash is not good for Elves.
2: Depends on the Trash. True. Goblins are never great, but we, we can I mean. We can hang with goblins.
1: Until turn five and six. <laughs> I've been down that road. Ratkin is bad, too. Trash
2: Ratkin. There's a lot of Ratkin players doing the lead Ratkin, which I think is a good matchup.
4: Yeah, that's a better matchup.
2: You don't have to construct your list in the current meta under elves to f- play the field. You don't have to change it to play the, the hot list right now. You can construct what you think is yes. the best elf list, handle the hot lists, and then do your best against the field.
4: It'll be interesting to see which way elves go, though. With some people want to go pure shooting. So either way, Night Stalkers aren't going to be great against them. But then if you're going to go lightning bolt heavy, Halflings are bad against them.
2: You will have enough shots to handle Halflings.
4: But Halflings can also go trash. So that's where it's just a little bit of a balance.
1: Elves, I think, are, I think this was a question, but elves are the ultimate. Uh, combined arms lists. Like, if, if you are investing heavily in melee, magic, or shooting, lacking in others, you're not playing elves optimally. I think that they have contributed excellent in all three of those, and you should take advantage of all of them.
3: Tom Annis does ask, and I, and this is Tom, so take it with a grain of salt, but are elves top tier without access to Alchemist's Curse spell?
2: I could find a way to spend that 150 points. It might just be way but I think they still do fine, like, to answer his question seriously.
3: Does he deserve to have Keith answer that question seriously?
2: It's professional courtesy.
1: Lawyer to lawyer, I get it. My counter-argument would be any army going to be top tier without Alchemist Curse. So, But in all reality, like if you were specifically gearing towards high defense uh, for that Alchemist Curse mage, you could get effect, uh, just about two bolt throwers in, which... I don't think is near as effective or versatile as the Alchemist Curse, but it could provide a, a similar answer to the high defense units. Or
2: just you know lightning bolt mages with plenty of plenty of Bane chant, and then drakons just rip up high defense.
4: Are we talking about masters? Or are we talking about normal tournaments? Because there are some tournaments that are definitely anti-shooting, sure, in a sense.
1: Yeah, I think we can only really address just uh, base rulebook scenarios in play because every tournament to that has their own special twists on things, you can't take into account all the special characters or special terrain rules and things like that from tournaments.
4: So broken characters like Bug Eater doesn't count. <laughs>
3: Just talk to me in general terms, you know, how do you effectively build an army in today's landscape? 24-inch shooting and speed 10. Add salt.
1: We kind of touched on it. You, you want tools to be able to compete in all the phases. So the 24-inch shooting, mobile shooting in general, the mobile units to control the battlefield with the speed 10, the dracons, the formation. And then you want to add in those kind of unique role units like the Alchemist Cursed Mage Bolt throwers would probably fit in there, Nimway, extra Dracon Lords, whatever it might be that to answer certain things that you feel the army's struggling with. But ultimately elves I think just need to have a, a solid balance fundamentally while taking advantage of all those strengths that they have
4: the fun part about l's is that you can play all six turns in every phase yeah that's the best part about it you literally like first turn yeah you might have a like a normal routine because you don't have a big army but you're playing every phase all six turns and not every army can do that. Is there a scenario that elves don't like? No. I hate raise. I gotta talk to you two about what the hell I'm doing.
2: You're not throwing your elves away. You gotta. Sometimes you gotta throw it away. Just move on with your life.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I hate raise. There's some elves, for the most part, that want to back up. Well, you can't back up and raise because then you lose unit strength on the tokens.
1: If you just want to give up the tokens, raise then just becomes fight for controlling the middle one. Yeah. There's no reason you should not get all three of the race tokens burned. You have way too many fast units, uh, speed and nimble, to get to those. And typically the armies that you struggle with burning the tokens are not the ones that can push across the field and burn your tokens.
2: For me, it's plunder. Like, loot is already hard, and then you make it, like, extra loot. Why? I, like, I don't want to pick up tokens and slow down.
1: I love plunder because then you know where they're going and you say, you want to pick that up? Well, here's a Dracon or you want to pick that up? Well, here's, you know, 120 shots, you know, take your pick. Yeah. I I don't usually have that much, but I'm just elves exaggerate. Plunder to me is you're placing something
4: on the center line. Perfect. You do not want to get across. Go pick it up. I'm going to shoot it unless it's like early round. Like I played uh, Donnie at Bug Eater. He ran up some chaff and then wanted to run it away. And I was like, and I didn't shoot it down right away because my dice were crap. But that's the one time plunder is a pain in the butt. What's your
3: favorite scenario with elves?
4: Control.
2: Control is good. I like salty earth or pillage sometimes. Control can be tough against trash armies.
3: Dominate. You
4: like
2: dominate with elves?
4: I love dominate. It's like a bullseye. You know exactly where they're going to end up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know exactly. So early rounds, I'm going to get around. And then it's, you're going to move everything into the center. So my shooting goes there. You don't want to come to my shooting, though.
2: I don't like people knowing where I have to go.
4: (laughs) Everyone knows where you're going to get to anyway, so why not just expect it? Now you know exactly where I'm going to go and you're going to go. Like If I want to, I'll back up and then move up there later on.
2: I've just played one too many like Ogre lists or Earth of Horde lists and Dominate. And you're like, well, this is going to suck.
3: What about terrain? What do you like to see on the table? I
2: think the new version of elves do better with terrain, because every like the shooting platforms are so maneuverable. When you did have that one big platform that you wanted to do most of your damage, terrain was a bigger issue. Even when you're hindered with silver breeze, you're still moving 10 inches. So you can like stick your nose out of terrain. You can you can manage it very effectively with your shooting, and then Elite does a good job minimizing the effect of it being disordered too so it's it's not the end of the world
1: and lots of steady aim really helps us with the shooting aspect of terrain
2: and it slows your opponent down so like if they take another turn to get to you it's not a problem
4: Yeah, i would say for the most part
1: you want more
4: terrain other than you want some shooting lanes for them like you can move to make lanes
3: we talked a little bit about magical artifacts give me a sense of how important magical artifacts are to this elf list and the way you construct it
4: J-boots on Jay board Boots, of Dracons.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every know. time. <laughs> that is the one must-have. Uh, everything else, you know, personal flavor. you got to have the J-boots.
2: Nowadays, I only put magical items on Dracon Riders.
1: Boots of Levitation, you will, too.
2: I mean, Alchemy's Curse, yeah, but I don't really count. I mean, that's, that's just how that comes. We're so expensive already. You just need bodies sometimes.
1: Trickster's Wands on dracon the formation dracon guy is especially useful it it definitely makes every list i don't know if i could cut it i would agree with adam on
4: that i don't cut it plain and simple i always include it you're gonna win the trickster's wand battle 90 percent of the time and on top of that it shuts down like if you're playing force of nature glade soccer druids you shut down nam you shut. i mean there's a lot of supporting characters that are mages now you shut it down. When we're talking about Elf on Elf, you shut down the Elf miss guy. So at 40 inches, because you just get him there. And then on top of that, once you get into combat, it's like, all right, you want to do your thing,
1: do your thing.
3: Austin Howell asks, what are Elf's biggest match-up weaknesses?
1: Defense six walls.
3: I think there are certain trash lists, like the Goblin list is a nightmare.
1: Jeff O'Neill and Travis Tim are the issues. That's the biggest weakness, right?
3: Uh, what armies do you have the best chance of winning against? Slow defense four.
1: Slow melee. Like, doesn't matter what they are. Infantry, large infantry.
2: Non-shooting alpha lists. I rarely find myself having an issue with an alpha list because when you're facing, like, a Puron, Beringer, shove-it-down-your-throat list, their only option is to come to you, and they have to play it extremely well to watch the flanks and deal with the responses. And it's, it's a bloodbath if they don't. Like, it's over really quickly
3: if they don't. If you guys win the roll, are you going first or second? First. First. Usually first.
4: Is that because of the shooting or because
3: you want to be the aggressor?
1: Both.
4: Yes. Well, I also want to slow them down. That's the biggest thing. If I can put my units, everyone's like, oh, first turn is fast for you. Yes, because I know where I'm going to put something.
1: I just want to slow you down.
2: Set up the angles, set up the flanks.
1: Positioning, especially your flanking units, just gaining that ground, covering more of the board, just... Putting that projected threat out there stops units from advancing.
4: Allows you to shoot for three to four turns versus one to two. And the only time I would not
2: potentially do it is if I am in a mirror match and I set my whole freaking army up out of range of their first turn of shooting. Even potentially against like a Twin army, I can see setting up at 29 inches from the Scorchwings and letting them go first and then taking a full round of shooting. But it's again, it's, they could do the same thing, and then it's like, well, no one wants to go first. So then I'm wasting a round of shootings. That's
4: why you deploy at 30.
2: It's rare to go second.
4: That's the one thing. It's like, if you deploy right with elves, you should get shots first turn.
2: To be fair, though, if you want to be a really good elf player, go second in all of your practice games. Like, every single one of them. Because it's always harder to go second.
1: Way harder. And if you want to win by going second, play Night Stalker.
4: <laughs> What's a tip for beating elves? I would say hordes are your best chance. Just because the lack of attacks for the elves, and you can put more out there.
2: You have to have a credible amount of shooting. Two claw shots or sharpshooters that you can just start like damaging drakons early. You have to have something.
4: I mean, I played against my buddy Mark, who has the horde of rifles and a bunch of like artillery. It's like, okay, I got to get into you guys. Anybody who get into the the uh, handgunners, if they still hit on fives, I can't just. Ignore them Kings of Men, honestly, are a bad matchup if you do it the right way. Like, Kings of Men for me are if you have a bunch of shooting. Like, Jason Britt's army would not be fun to play against. Well,
3: Keith, you've got some experience against Jason, right?
2: Not against his uh, King of Men. I mean, a couple of UB
3: rounds. If you go first against that army, it crumbles real quick. Is this army new player friendly?
1: No.
4: Everyone says it is because you just roll dice, but no, you will die real quick if you cannot. Choose charges. If
1: you're playing as a new player against a new player, elves are great for you because you're both going to make mistakes, but your elves should beat out most other lists and units just because the consistency with their shooting and their attacks. But when you go into a competitive tournament, if you are a newer player and you're trying to play competitively, win with elves, one mistake against a, you know, a High end competitive player is going to set you back, and elves cannot come back from a mistake or from a backfire as easily as other armies.
2: It's just not a lot of redundancy. A snake eyes, it can be extra devastating for elves.
4: The mass shooting, you have to know how to do it. For two and a half years, I went to Renegade and played against Kyle Peach with his Trident Realms, and I didn't mass shoot. <laughs> 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 Keith knows. <laughs> like, I mean, I was literally those only two tournaments I played all year. And it's like, I don't play against anybody but Bissels. So it's like, okay, whatever. I'll just shoot at whatever I want to shoot. And I play against Kyle and he's just regenning him. You have to know, again, like with elves, you have to know how to play against each army in that sense.
3: Points level, does this army work best at?
2: I think it does great at 1995. I think it probably does better at 1995. I like playing 2300 more. But you're not spamming an elf army. Shooting is more devastating at lower points, as is Alpha Strike, and we do those two things incredibly well.
1: Pretty much any point range elves elves are good at, just because they do have a large variety of units, and they can play in many different phases of the game extremely well. So I, I think that allows them to open up at any point value.
2: I think you get it to like twenty five hundred, and you could be facing like thirty two drops. What am I supposed to do with this? Not many people play at twenty five plus uh, for for competitively for fun, of course.
3: Time for that moment where everybody just can't wait to hear your unbelievably great army list. And Jason, you wanna you wanna start us off and walk us through your list?
4: So I took a horde of palace guard, a troop of forest guard, two regiments of glazed lockers. This has been basically what I've been running since the turn of third edition when they made suckers and dracons regular. Troop of Silver cavalry a regiment, a horde of Dracons with the Sir Jesse Boots. This is the one change I've made since the Big Red Book is that I went to the formation, which I have the two regiments naked and then Lord on Dracon, like we said, with the Trickster's Wand. I then took two Archmages with... One with the amulet of the fireheart with lightning bolt five and bane Chan two, and one with the inspiring talisman and banchan two and lightning bolt five and the lord on dracon another lord on dracon with brutal. Basically the one inspiring talisman stays with the infantry for the most part. It also gives it inspiring. So between the Palace Guard, Force Guard and Glade stalkers it gives it inspiring, which Gives it a little bit more punch. The two Dracon Lords are the inspiring sources for everything if I want it, whether it's both out on one flank or opposite flanks. Um, Hex shuts down half the armies with magic sources. And then the aim of the fire heart kind of roams. It's pretty solid. Uh, unit strength 13 or unit strength uh, 23, total units is 13. I've been running it for a while now. Is this twenty three hundred, Jason? Yeah, twenty three hundred.
1: This list is slightly revised from the one day that I did. So one of the changes that I made was I dropped the Glade Stalkers, and I have a regiment of Sea Guard now. I have a the horde of Sea Guard with the Chant of Hate. I now have a troop of Silver Breeze Cav along with two regiments, the horde of Dracons with Sir Jesse's Boots two regiments of battlecats. I have a single bolt thrower, the archmage with boots of levitation, alchemist curse, and mounted. I have nimway, and then I have the formation. One of the dracons got pipes of terror because I had 10 extra points, and the lord has the trickster's wand. Brings me out uh, 14 units, 22 unit strength.
3: Last but not least, the Baron of Bourbon. Let's go. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what. Let's see what we got. I start with two Kindred Glade Stalker units, uh,
2: regiments. Two Silver Breeze Cav regiments. Then I take the Quicksilver Lancers, and this is where I dropped out Nimway because I was able to upgrade a regiment of guard to the Regiment of the Cav uh, with the points drop. I had to find five points, but that was easy enough. Dracon Rider Horde with Sir Jesse's Boots of Striding. Dracon Rider Horde with Helm of the Drunken Ram. Elven Archmage, Boots of Levitation. Uh, Argus Rodenar to inspire everybody. And then the formation. 12 units, 24 units. The thing I like about that, this list is you can basically set it up any way you want to at any time. Everything's crazy fast. The other lists are similar. The inspiring is not really pegged to anything. There's a lot of overlap. There's three legitimate hammers and the formation and a lot of enough shooting to be credible.
4: I will add that even though our three lists are very similar, it's there's a lot of other stuff that changes and there are multiple ways of playing this army.
1: I actually don't think our lists are very similar at all.
2: No, I would kind of disagree that our lists are similar. I don't have any hordes of infantry.
1: I look at Keith's list and I think, oh, no chaff. And then I look at your list and I think, you know, the lightning bolt battery kind of version. Keith has the bag of hammers, I feel. I have a lot more chaff than both of you, I think.
4: I agree with that. But at the same time, it's also, we have similar units. Number
3: of units in unit strength isn't too far off. Yeah, or more what I meant by that.
1: Oh, I got 14 to Keith's 12. That's that's light years away.
3: But our unit strength is similar, <laughs> so eat it.
1: You have more unit strength than me. That is fair, but...
2: And you have, what, nine scoring units to my 10?
1: I only have three non-scoring units, so I have 11 scoring.
2: And
3: two of those are uh, battle cats.
1: And I'm proud of it.
3: <laughs> guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on, and I know this is a, a marathon recording session. I think the listeners are going to get a good uh, education on playing Elves. For sure. Happy to do it. Much happier to do it this time.
1: Keith, what is the one thing that you want changed out of elves? Just real quick here. Don't say archers.
2: Definitely archers. I think we spent like 30 minutes of our three and a half hour thing talking about archers.
1: But if you were to spend another 30 minutes on something, what would that... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you guys bringing elves to masters? You gonna commit right now?
2: I'm bringing elves to masters.
1: I'm bringing elves. All right. May the best elf player win, and I will keep
4: scores. Can not do the uh, draft this year. Sure, you can. Why not? Well, I can't pick the elf player because I gotta beat him.
3: That would be neat though, since the UK master played elves, and if the US master played elves, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty sweet. Or it'd be really bad because then they would nerf us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. It'd be great because next year we get to hear Keith drunk again. Thanks for listening guys, and keep countercharging. Thanks
0: for listening and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at CounterchargePodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at Countercharge 15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.